Now entering Nerdist.com. You may win, you may win, you may win, oh yeah. You may win, you may win, yes you did. You may win, oh yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? An amazing episode with one of the funniest people I know, a wonderful actor, improviser, and a great stand-up as well, Henry Zabrowski. He's incredible. You know him from so many things, uh, or you should know him from so many things. Your pretty, your pretty little face is going to hell. Uh, Murder Fist. He was on Michael and Michael Have Issues, and he's going to be on the HBO show Crashing that I'm working on right now because he's just unbelievable. So I was so happy to sit down with him and talk about a lot of strange things. He was kind of the perfect guest So let's get to it as quickly as possible, as I always say. We also had a uh, t-shirt idea come up from this episode. It's not so much like a gag idea. It's just something I always... I've mentioned on the podcast before is the idea that I always see in my head when I think about how we're much more free than we think we are. A lot of people kind of feel trapped by certain things that can be abstractions in their own minds. And whenever I'm trying to make myself feel a little bit more limitless... I think about a, a blue circle with arrows in every direction. So I asked the wonderful Jenny Fine, who does all the art for most of our T-shirts. That's not true. David Clark does some as well, but she did this one and has done a lot of the other, like, PD is my homeboy, blah, blah. So she did a drawing of that image I always have in my head when I'm talking about how free we can be when we, when we kind of liberate ourselves. <clears throat> so uh, if you're interested in that, go to teespring.com slash ball arrow ball arrow teespring.com slash ball arrow and you can get the t-shirt that is kind of referenced in this and other episodes so that'll be up when this comes out we're also doing a survey so we can get better and better at advertising in a good way for you on the you made it weird podcast obviously is what you're listening to i'm I'm reading this for now you just have to go to podsurvey.com slash weird it only takes five minutes and it helps us find out what you're interested in and what we should be looking for ads for the show it's completely anonymous you also are in the running to get a hundred dollar amazon gift card they give away like one a month and make sure i have that right you give away yep one gift card every month hundred dollar amazon card so if you have five minutes, help out the show. Go to podsurvey.com slash weird and take the survey. Help out the show and maybe even win a little cash money for Amazon. Uh, that's it, everybody. Check out the T-shirt on teespring.com slash ball arrow and enjoy Henry Zabrowski. Get into it. Ben. Ben. <laughs> I think he understood. Oh, wow. I think he understood. Poor man. Hey, I did, I'm researching for last. I had to do the saddest thing in the world when I researched for last podcast and I'm reading a book about serial killers. I've learned to not show it on the train, so I have to put it in a little bag so that I don't have it with me when I go everywhere. Wait, that's why you have this wee bag? Yes. You have a wee bag because you. What is the book called? Now all I want to talk about is serial killers. One of them. I'll named, talk. One of them's named Holmes. Yeah, H.H. H. Holmes. H.H. H. Holmes. Yes, absolutely. We're probably related. It could ah! be. <laughs> he was very organized, though. He was a rich he, man, very did, successful. Didn't he build a hotel? He did in Chicago, one of the worst parts of Chicago. You go down there, now it's a post office. You can't, uh, these murder hotel that he basically made with many interlocking greased chutes that would go down to lie pits in his basement. What's a lie pit? A lie pit. It's where all you can do is lie. That's it. No truths. It's the opposite of liar, liar. <laughs> The opposite of that, but Jim Carrey, ooh, ah, it's situations he gets into. Ah, I just meant like it's not, oh, this is creepy. 
Well, yeah, it's a creepy way to start. But as long as we acknowledge that, we can that's con- my whole continue life. being creepy. But I get that a lot. I did a podcast last night. I did, I did a live version of, um, do you know, Danny and Mike from Pete and Pete? They, they do a podcast called The Adventures of Danny and Mike. Were they Pete and Pete? They, they, they're the guys Pete and Pete. And oh. I went up there and I was talking quite a bit about uh, Satan because it's like I know a lot about Satanism. Oh, my God. That's a lot of this stuff. to talk about Satan. There's just so much d- dark, evil this- stuff. And people look at me like I'm a monster. Um, yeah, but you're, hold on. I'm going to get a pen. You got it. But I keep talking. I, no, I just feel a, uh, I understand that I am, um, I can be known as a creepy dude, but then eventually it becomes your brand. And now it's my brand. It's your brand. (laughs) Now it's me. That's what I do now. So funny. You get mistaken for Jim Gavigan all the time. 24-7. 24-7. When we were shooting, you're wonderful, by the way. And Thank you're so you. welcome, and you're so funny. This is the best. I it always was... forget to say that at the podcast, but you're welcome here now. This is well, Thank you for having yes. me in your home. <laughs> is this your permanent home? Is it, look at the pictures. It's I mo- saw that. It's Melania's Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, this yeah. is his home. Great. Yeah, I don't, it would be great if I had pictures of Melania and his wife. I was actually wondering that because I saw the, I saw three pictures yeah. of John Melania and I was yeah. just like, he is obsessed with him. Uh, I, in my own home, I do have one <laughs> photo of Melania and Nick Kroll on my wall. So I well, mean, yeah, not, you guys are not, friends. Well, Val and I take picture, Polaroid pictures of people that come by and we put them up. Yeah, that's a nice thing to I do. It's fun. Yeah, and then because then it feels it's like we're taking back what our parents did because the only parent polaroids my parents have are all yeah. like those weirdly brown everybody's like upset because we all just got done fighting like 1987 like shitastic polaroids that's it and we're taking it back we're taking it back and let's be honest most performers that i know if they're being fully honest let's take a photo it's fun yeah absolutely I mean, let's commemorate uh, the moment we, it doesn't we have never to be weird i'm actually kind of upset because in college I, I feel like we just didn't do it enough I, I wish that we had done that more often i reference it all the time it's the norm mcdonald bit where he's like there were three photos of my grandfather and now when we have grandchildren they'll be able to see ten thousand photos 10, of us. you see all of me and <laughs> you see can me see. change and their food yeah it's his bit i God. say it so much <laughs> I do like it though, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm glad that this is not your home. Then this is not my home, but okay. it, it's a lovely area. It is a lovely. It? it is a lovely area. Where were you coming in from? I live in Williamsburg. Oh, fun! Yeah, where so off? Right off the Grand Street stop. I'm like I was right Montrose, so I, you were a little before me. Yeah, and I like it now. It's like it's a little intense. Everybody's <laughs> 23, and it's like I'm the only person. It per- is. It, and and that's how old are you now? I'm 32. Okay, fun. And so I'm just now at a place where it's like I'm your manager's age. You know what I mean? Uh, and I go places where I'm the guy. I'm an old guy. You're the authority. I'm the authority. If something goes down, they're all going to look at you. There's a man who could possibly know a doctor. <laughs> oh, he must have insurance. Oh, the reason I brought up Gavigan was because he's doing this commercial for a, cri- a van. I think it's a Dodge. Or- yeah, I thought I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm watching The Simpsons on... When Val is out of town, I watch far more Simpsons and I play far more video games. Those I'm are sure. the two differences. That's the best part. It's better than just being like, that's when I slip into the crank. Yeah. <laughs> I really get it. I miss her. Um, but there's things you have to do when you're in a... Yeah, when when my girlfriend leaves, I just watch the putrid things she doesn't really want to watch. Like I, We watch horror together, but I watch horror then that's, just exclusively. Like hardcore. Yes, and I can smoke weed to the point where I can't talk. Oh. I'm, we're still in the point where the relationship <laughs> like i, I still like to that make high it. in a while it's kind of fun it, but i can only do it by myself i don't do it anymore Weed like with by people. yourself is kind of a special thing do you I, do that 
I love getting high by myself. I, yeah. I haven't done it in a very long time because Val loves to smoke the weed. And uh, so, therefore... So, it's like a shared experience now. She loves when I get high. She the, thinks... I, she Like, the, as soon as it hits me, all I want to do is be silly. Yeah, yeah. And then she lights up because that's all she wants me to be, which is one of the reasons I love her to death is because silliness is inexhaustible for me. Yeah, exactly. Being funny... Little pockets. I can be funny and clever for like two, three hours a day. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking you about. You want me to be stupid? I can be stupid. Oh, yeah. I can be dumb. I can go into Because it's great. Because then, like, pressure's off. Pressure's off. Yeah, because you could just be ludicrous and you That's do everything. It. Like, oh, no, 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 That's it. I'll just make noises like oh, that. No, no, no. That's a fine. It. That's a fine choice. I like to do it. Silly is so pure. It's so safe. It's so clean. Funny. I don't, Funny is, that's is more why, edge. It's more put together. You have we to were think. Ta- we were talking about Kung Pao, the wonderful movie yes. Kung Pao, and that is silly. Mm-hmm. So when I watch a comedy high... I'm thinking breaking it down. That's funny. Did they mean it to be funny in these three ways? And then it was funny in this fourth way. Was that performance? Was it intentional? It's not fun for me. No, I'm not saying I'm like some sort of a beautiful mind idiot. I'm just like it's our. No. It's what we do. Well, we talk about it because my girlfriend's like that. She likes to watch all of the comedies. And yeah, I I just I can't. can't watch it. It paralyzes me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that if you want me to be quiet. Put yes, on a comedy. comedy. And there I sit and go. just sit and watch. But if, if, you, if there was a video of an old man smacking his balls, <laughs> just going like, hur, 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 like, I'll laugh for hours. Like, it's just a bunch of people. Over and over. Oh, but Kung of- Pao, do the, do the yell. <laughs> that's what nuts! <laughs> Love, that's a lot of nuts. That's what nuts! Red shoes, not black shoes. You do that for fucking... We quoted Kung Pao for probably five hours uh, in the middle of the night. Oh, we did. That is great. Well, let's tell that little story because you and I have never worked together. No. I've seen you. I, like I saw a live taping. Can you turn my cans up a little bit? I'm a narcissist. <laughs> I have to. I have to hear me more. I feel like uh, – there we go. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, th- when we did uh, – I saw a live taping of Michael and Michael Have Issues. Yeah. And you were just dominating. Those guys are so funny, but they would write these really great roles for you. They did, They were they – was pretty sweet. They did it. They they knew it because Kamel yep. was working with them too, and so that that they, he knew me more so for Murder Fist, my yeah. sketch group, yeah. and kind of knew how to place me. That's right, which is great. I remember the one where you were a king getting a massage. It was so much fun. And you just got a huge laugh just turning your head. Yeah, and I was like, that's when a person is funny. Yeah, please be. You know that I know we're not laughing at you. It's that's it, like, but that's the best. Weirdo. No, like, that's you the whole make idea. A smile. And we love you. That's very sweet. I know. And I like uh, because uh, Martin Short would talk about that. I was reading him talking about how his comedic approach, and he would say that he'd get a lot of shit back in the day for wearing stupid costumes and like doing his hair dumb. And he's like, no, you don't understand. It's about laughs per minute. It's about like, (laughs) I want to make a laugh when I walk in the room and then I have to. But then you're making a promise to an audience. You have to follow it. Yes. And now you follow your outfit. Exactly. And and build on it. And so, my body uh, is that. Oh, I didn't think it was. I didn't <laughs> I think we were laughing that. at your body in that scene. We were laughing at your face. We had been looking at your naked body for a while. People know my body. But then. I do like that you've empowered your body. I was just watching your morning after that you did with our friend. Yeah, Ryan. yeah. And the joke is like, oh, you're a big fat guy, right? Yeah. You've lost a lot of weight. But I mean, like, we I can, was, you and I can both play TV fat. That's the best part <laughs> is that nobody understands. Is that I, because people are like, you're so skinny. What are you going to do? And it's like, no, I still, I'm just yeah. as fat on camera. Like, yeah, I yeah, look yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can do it, except now my blood pressure is no longer. I was hitting, uh, 
it was one twenty over ninety. I forgot it was some loot. I was supposed I got a a check to do insurance for a movie. Yeah, they were going to insure me, and they were like, as a matter of fact, we can't insure you for this movie, but also you should probably go into the hospital. Like your Whoa, blood pressure is so high. Excuse me, really? Yes, because I have hypertension runs in my family. I didn't know that, so now I was like, quit smoking. Oh. Lost fifty pounds. Yes, and it's still like I only lost like fifteen points on either side, but now I can be insured again. Oh, good for you! But, but it's sometimes nuts. blood just that's shoots out of, of my eyes. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Your face when you're doing it is so happy. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> God, it makes me. Sad. I feel like the Chewbacca lady when I get to do that. I feel like I'm the Chewbacca lady. I I watch that video, and it takes two minutes of a woman just being like. A wait lot of like, it, wait for it. we call them pop-ups where she's like, uh, my therapist calls them pop-ups, Dr. Gary Penn, where it's like you're saying something and then you apologize for how you're sounding. She's yes. like, this is just for me. Well, you know, I'll let my kids play with it, but I'm not crazy. But like at the end of the day, it doesn't go in the toy box. It's coming home. Like fucking get to it. Do it. The preview <laughs> shot was the Chewbacca mask. We know what it was. Get to the laugh, you jolly woman. You know what I mean? And she's Think e- about your timing. She even... T- <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, she... she understood and then she did it and it was very cute we loved it we loved I it as loved a it. nation we love it as a nation and um i think I, we're still loving it. technically i think what she got her awarded to was being straight sent straight to afghanistan to make our troops laugh <laughs> but she doesn't also know she's going to be in the front lines as well because they think that she's going to be a super soldier in the mask <laughs> <laughs> they will she will delight isis you into know, fucking surrendering you know what's funny though like, you could show that, to quote our enemies, and they would laugh. Or they'd just be like, kill, kill a big woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, if, they would if, laugh. If of course were, they would laugh. If life were an 80s movie, they would go, this brings me no joy. This only reminds me of what we've lost. And then it'd smash a fist in a leather glove down. But no, I just, I'm sure they I, would watch just, it and be like, oh, that's... They, the, I that guess some of them been... shouldn't be eliminated. <laughs> we should do a test. We give them the mask if they delight us. If not, but eliminate them. That, that video could have been in uh, Korean. It could have. I'm not picking enemies. I'm just saying it could have been in an. Oh no, could have been in Lithuanian. There we go. It could have been in any any tongue. Yeah, and I would have enjoyed it. Yes, they will laugh. There's like, um, there's a video. One of my favorite one of those is there's a video of a very large Asian man who is opening food. He had ordered a bunch of delivery food. It's him going, <laughs> like him like opening, going like, <laughs> and I, I really like it. What are you just doing? It yes, but he's me. so he's such. A, it is very funny. He's it's a very large so man. So fun. Well, you know, laughter yoga is just fake laughing, <laughs> and then you do that with thirty people before you know it. Everyone Everyone's weeping with laughter. It seems beautiful, but I'm it afraid of it. Well, you know what we don't like is is we've become a, a a nation of surveyors and critiquers. We love our rational minds, and we love going that is funny and that is not funny. Yeah, and I'm all for that. That's what we do for a living. We go, that's not funny. This is funny. We should do this. Uh, but there is something betraying about the fact that if we just laugh like a bunch of chimpanzees, we'll get there. Exactly. And it's like the redness in our eyes showing up that betrays our reptilian nature, like in a photograph. But you know people I mean? get really scared like about that. letting go because they're also <laughs> everybody's very composed. Yes, and that's I, it. And it seems like right in this country, there's like kind of a. Uh, premium put upon being that kind of cool customer, yeah. detached. Did being, James Dean ever laugh? I, I don't think so. He didn't care to laugh. He like, coughed, uh, 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 a bemused uh, scoff. <laughs> you know, but you it's call like, that a bike. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Meanwhile, he tries to cry. He's sad, though. He's like <laughs> laughing like a circus clown. No, I, I, but I wonder that. But laughter yoga betrays our composure that because we it wear three-piece suits. And... Yeah, and it makes you feel like a fool almost. You're supposed to be laughing like because that's what it is. It's, it's true abandonment, and right. then it's discovering it for yourself. Right. And it's like, what's, her, what's his name? Uh, 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 yeah, what's his Yasser Bafa? What's his name? The guy is like a, he was a, from the 80s. He was like a guru that Meher Baba. Meher Baba? Yeah, was kind of like that. He was like one of those being like, life is joy or tickle the feet of the god. You know, it's like it's all like that kind of thing where everybody sits around tickling each other's feet. But I think he went to jail for some sort of sexual scandal. It's but, very funny. So it's give me a dead guru. That's what I want. All my gurus dead. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it again. Give me. I like my gurus dead. I want so they're already done. Of a financial or a sexual or a violence or a drug scandal. Just anything. It. Just done because that always happens. Maharishi who taught TM uh, apparently assaulted uh, oh, uh, Rosemary's baby. You know, oh, yeah, there's yeah, all yeah, these yeah. It, assaulted. But you know, I don't know. I don't know what I, it was. I don't know. I he say gra- assaulted, but I slapped her. He got grabby. He got grabby with her. And that's hard with meditation. <laughs> you shouldn't be getting grabby with the meditation. I don't know. I agree. I think that's distracting. I agree. Assault. I just good night. And I toyed that a nipple. Yeah, yeah. He I, was gross with her. Yeah, it was. Bad. He was wrong with her. I'm not saying I don't know the details of that story. But those gurus always get ruined by something with a boner. You, the boner shows up. I understand you're relaxed, but you don't need to be grabbing at everyone. But well, Mr. Rogers, I we're all one. But also, those aren't yours. That, these are not yours. Though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird, subtle it difference. Is you? But it's also it's, well, not these are my you. breasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Mr. Rogers, we, we were talking about. He's like, Love man, Mr. he just Rogers. he just got out clean. He got out clean. Thank God. Jesus Christ. We I got never one. Thought about that. He did it. Mr. He, Rogers did it. He just managed to hold back all his that dirty, horrible it. impulses yeah, just yeah, for yeah. a second. You know, there were days on set when he was blindly horny, <laughs> and Mr. Mistopheles was looking like a hand job. You know what I mean? He wanted to fuck a trolley, and he just kept anything. it inside. I just want to take Mr. Rogers, and I want to commit suicide essay. You know what I mean? It's like just like wanted like a burn down the house and just go down and piss on a post office. He front had of it. A post office. He had it. Yeah, he had very shiny armor, and we love armor. I just mean your exterior, your ego, no. your presentation. But then I, and then he got I just out. my problem is because because I do so much research about serial killers and shit like that, I forget that people are not always inherently Evil. deep, dark, labyrinthian monsters. But this isn't that part of the fascination of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it was Ted Bundy who said, "When I see a pretty girl." Do you know this quote? Oh yeah, I see. It's like, I like some people like wonder what it'd be like to be her boyfriend. I wonder what it would be like to see her head on a stick. Well, he says part of me wonders what it would be like to take her out and oh, have yeah. a nice dinner, and part of me wonders what her head would look like on a stick. And we're so fascinated with, or some people are fascinated with serial killers. I think I have a low teens interest. I understand. Out of 100, you know but, what I mean? But you've described like there's a huge. A lot of people are really interested in it because it's something about. I, I think it's what you kind of generally talk about. It's like I have to hold back so many That's impulses That's as it. a person. What makes that person not hold back those impulses? That's right. Mr. Uh, Rogers being the opposite of a serial killer, someone we genuine. Trust. 
genuine with children. We know that he occasionally is like, I'm going to fucking take a shit in the top of the toilet. You know what I mean? Like, occasionally. Every once in a while, he's just like, man, that PA has got a bouncy set. I just want to slap him against my forehead. I mean, like, I'm certain that, like, it happened at some Never point. in the cardigan. No. Once no. he took it off, though, he fuck you. Horny. I'm Fred now. Yeah. <laughs> Frederick. I do whatever I have to do. You know what? I will have another Tom Collins. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he didn't give a shit. Okay, they let loose. Yeah, exactly. He's this is pre-Twitter, so he couldn't say, like, I think Trump is valid. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he couldn't fuck it up. All he needed was one standard, we need to build a wall right. against blah, blah, blah. This and is then... why, again, Henry, I've said this so many times, but we, we can't have another Christ. Because Jesus tweeting in his teens would have fucked the whole thing up. Well, the problem is you just can't be pure 100% of the... No right. human being is. Right, right, right. And the idea is like, that. that's a... I also never understand with sports figures and shit like that, of why we expect them to have some sort of mor- mor- right. moral parameter. Right, right, right. It's like their jobs are to win. Right. Like I, when I hear about the stories about Michael Jordan being like a monster yeah, and how yeah. he's like everything's a sport and how he treated his kids like being like, you got to be a winner. It's be like, yeah, he's That's Michael Jordan. We, we programmed him to be that. That's what, He went to go be the most successful version of himself. And that's right. what he did. And so now you can't say, oh, but he's kind of a jerk. Right. It's like, no, he stepped on everybody. I'm sure that Barack Obama had to make some really intense decisions that's... working in Chicago government, the yeah. most corrupt government right. in the entire right, country. Right, right. Like, as as Hillary and, and Bernie are kind of going at it with super PACs, and do, I'm not very political. We're going to no, wrap no, no, this no. up very quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying... No one considers that Obama probably, you know, did like I'm sure he got money, but he also probably did some weird The Wire season just four shit. Kind of just did some shit. Where Looked he had the any, other way. Yeah, had to. Cause yeah. But so the idea is that it's very strange that we're now we're in this weird space where social media is supposed to kind of broadcasts are unconscious like 24-7. Right. Like we're constantly on a stream right. of thought to everyone. It's public. Yeah. And you're you on can't. the record. Constantly. Even like, okay, so we're doing the show for HBO. I've never had a, I'm being honest, I've never had a negative HBO tweet. I didn't have to like delete any yeah. tweets. But now that's a little bit of, poli- that's a taste of politics. And those, imagine the problems they could get in of all the things that they could possibly say or do. Yep. I had hard. to go, I had to do it for NBC. I had to go through, they, they have a person go through your Twitter account. Like literally right? would just go through my Twitter account to make sure I didn't say anything against heroes or against that's NBC. It? Yep. Interesting, right? Yes, because it's like this. Like, like I'm gonna tank this though. Like, it's like I'm the one that's gonna tank Heroes Reborn. It's like I don't think so. But it's this weird thing where they they want to make sure you didn't have one like right. maybe Hitler was on to something. You know, like right. one of those kind of weird tweets at four o'clock in the morning where she'd be like, "No, you don't understand. I just like I just got done working three jobs. That was the time when I was working three temp yeah, jobs, yeah, and yeah. I was upset, and I had like half a fucking g- when case it, of Schlitz in me. When it <laughs> when it becomes on the record, though, I think blurring the line between on the record and off the record, your private life and your personal life, like this podcast is very close. I'm sure you could scan every episode I've ever done and found, maybe not now, maybe in 10 years, you'd be like, well, Pete, you said this weird this thing, thing yeah, and you yeah, said this yeah. ignorant thing for who knows what we're going to figure out rightly is ignorant, that we don't know is ignorant now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's, it's tricky. But I am interested. The serial killer is the guy that says, I'm going to tweet whatever. Just like, and then I'm going to wear her breasts like it's a jacket. <laughs> just being creative. That's what I like to see is people really jumping in and just being like, following your dreams. Being, they're Imagineers. 
<laughs> but with like using body parts as clothing. It's so creepy. It's very creepy. It's so... But you know, I watched the Dahmer Files. The Dahmer Day- Files was a good one. Is that the one? Do you, uh, that was the one I believe that had his neighbor. That is one of the most one of my favorite like witnesses of a serial killer. It's an elderly black woman that lived across the hall from him, and she was the only person who talked to him. Like yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer had moved into a very very bad neighborhood in the middle of Milwaukee, and she would go to him and be like, "Jeffrey, why do you live here?" And he's like. <laughs> It's cheap. Wanda, I just like working at the chocolate factory. And it's sure he worked at a chocolate factory. He worked at a chocolate factory? Packaging chocolate. He had a human hand in his locker. He had a he, he had a human hand, like mummified, dried out in his locker while he was making chocolates. Pump, pulling a lever, making chocolates. It's fun. We, we just, things can slip through the cracks. Oh, no. And so she would talk about she'd go to him and like on this on on that documentary when he she was like and then Jeffrey one day out of his kind of his own heart he came and he brought me a sandwich that he had made and uh, and I had eaten it and uh, have I eaten people like it's just like she's just shattered yeah just by being his neighbor I know well it's a betrayal of everything this is why like violence against children is so fucking upsetting is because we all have and I'm grateful. Every day I take Brody for this walk and I pass the playground. I've yeah. said this on stage before. I'm so glad that when I look at children, I don't, I don't know if it was because my dad is so good with kids. And, you know, my mom is obviously a great mom. Was it, did I, was it pounded into me? Like, children, protect, love, serve. Yeah. I, and then I also want to think, you know, it's just genetic. It's just in me. Well, we just thank God. I think we just did a whole episode about this guy named Dean Coral that was a, a child murderer. And just being like, just like, man, thank God I'm not a pedophile. Yeah, that's it's just it. so nice. It is. That's what I used to say on stage. I say, have you ever taken a moment to thank God that you're not a pedophile? <laughs> it could have gone the other way. Absolutely. That, you saw Capturing the Freedmans. I, I think Ooh, that's so fucking... sends a chill up my spine. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're just made right. I think there are people, I think there are strains of stuff like that where it, it's weird rejected strains. Like technically it's keeping you from reproducing. Like technically it's, oh, it's, interesting. it's a weird thing that just kind it's of breeds you out. I, I don't know. I think oh, it's, I see what you're saying. They talk about how they're just wired wrong. They, yeah. there's, a, there's a thing uh, that a lot of people talk about with serial killers specifically. It's about the sexual impulse, especially in men. Is that if at some point it's like imprinted. Yeah. And like your brain is like, because we were talking about, I was talking about with my boss from Pretty Face about extreme fetishes, right? Like people that like, want to crawl into giant rubber tubes shaped like monsters because they have fetishes about being swallowed by giant monsters. Or like there's these weird dildos that like have glycerin eggs that you can pump into your butthole through. It's like a little like tube and then they go up inside you and they dissolve. But the acts, you want that. You mean like you're excited by it getting pumped inside of you? I'm going to, you know, the first one, the monster swallowing one, you know, I, I don't. It sounds like a fun time to me. It would be hilarious. We'd be laughing. Going like, ah, <laughs> but you're getting horny. I've never talked about this. I don't think on the podcast where there, when I was in like second grade, there was some sort of uh, fun house or something. It was probably like looking back, it was probably just a tarped out room with a tent <laughs> over it filled with some foam or something. <laughs> but they made the entrance of it a dragon's mouth. So you had to crawl into a That's dragon's so mouth. so cool. And if you've ever been to the House on the Rock in South, I believe it's in... Well, am I forgetting where the House on the Rock is? It's near Chicago. You can drive there from Chicago. Mm-mm. 
And what are the states that surround Chicago? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's fine. It doesn't matter. The House on the Rock, one of the coolest places on earth. Right as you're going into this huge carousel, you go through a monster's mouth. I think it's so cool. And both times, both of those experiences really stick with me where I'm like, this is fun. I'm going in a mouth. Because it plays with your idea of size. It's That's cool right. to see something really big. It's also cool to imagine when I was a kid what could be in there. Oh, yeah. And it's dangerous. But that's what's cool. And that's my what... mom is like, go do it. I'm like, what? Why? You've told me to stay out of mouths. Yeah. <laughs> You've told... Stay out of mouths, Pete. <laughs> my mom was very literal. <laughs> stay out of mouths, holes, <laughs> ravines, crevasse. What we were talking about is yeah. that if they... So, but sexual, it, there's an yes. imprinting stage yes, yes, yes. at some point where something happens. Where he, like, let's say you just happened to watch a video where there was like a giant monster that happened to be next to a woman that had big breasts or like something that was like quote unquote standard attractive to you, whatever your orientation is. Right. But somehow the wires got crossed. Now my sexual impulse is tied to this other thing, this esoteric thing. Right, right, right. But these people, what they're discovering, like Jeffrey Dahmer openly talks about, which is really interesting about his sexual awakening, was that he used, there was a man that used to jog past his house and he would watch this man and he was very attracted to this man that would walk. But he started getting these thought loops. It's like his parents, you know, of course, he's in the middle of like the worst place to be gay in the 70s. And then yeah. he's like, can't he can't Where do that? it? He was Milwaukee? in he was in yeah in Wisconsin. So it's mm-hmm. like they were they would just beat him like mm-hmm. half to death if they found mm-hmm. out. But he began these these thought loops about imagining him asleep in a bed and how that would became really sexually exciting to him. And then that became his thing. And then it became like, how do I get them there that they I have total control over them? And then they can't judge me for what I do to them because now I'm turning the shame that society put on me. I mean, he's also very sick. Of course. But then you become that control. Right. Then it becomes the, it's linked to the sexual impulse and then you're yeah. done. As soon as someone's screaming in agony right. makes you horny, right. like you're you're done. It's so funny Judd uh, Apatow has this really funny new bit about how getting an erection is kind of like being the Hulk. He's like it's like a tiny Hulk-like reaction. Shout out to Judd, funny bit, that's his bit. But I think there's something all of the monsters that we deal with, I think, are, are, are ways of the Hulk being one of them, a werewolf being another one. These transformations, I think, as a man, I relate to that feeling because there are times when I said earlier about Mr. Roger that you get blackout horny. Oh, yeah. And it's like becoming the Hulk. It's yeah, like, it's like, oh, God, it's what a fucking idiot. I remember, well, I grew up Christian, so I would always be trying not to jerk off. I've said this before, and I saw an old photo of me in my Bennigan shirt in Chicago in like 2002. And you could see on a whiteboard that I had hung up in my little dining room slash office room that had my schedule. It was like Monday 11 to 4, Tuesday 11 to 4, Wednesday off. And then below that, there were just tick marks, like prison, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 1 through it. And that was my public, my wife knew what that was, record of how long I had gone without jerking off. Wow. Isn't that crazy? See, that's, yeah. I, I, I was 23. I was married. Wow. Yeah, and you like, would fully, you were full, what type of Christian? Regular. Just regular. Uh, <laughs> it's in the script. It. It's in the script we because I it. always say that because I just mean Protestant. Yeah. Lutheran. Obviously, that's yeah. a joke. Not Lutheran, just, but, just non-denominational. It, it was very much like evangelical. We went on mission trips and stuff. Yes. And really, you know, you talk about these things that like, hit you for one reason or another. Here's my brother. He's two years older than me. Here's me. And then here's a lot of my other friends. For some reason, the sexual edicts or, you know, teachings 
hit home with me more. Was I hornier than other kids? Was I more shameful? But what I'm saying is my brother didn't get that. He was out fucking people. You know what I mean? Like, when, I don't know when he lost his virginity, but he was out being what I would Active. call more normal. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I yeah, was yeah. the one going like, Jerking off and like trying not to come, like don't come. Interesting, you know I mean? like, real shame. Because like, we talk, stuff. we did uh, I, I was something along. This, I was at altar boy and I was full Catholic, and oh, I, boy. that was a kind of the same thing. The sexual shame growing up it was my my parents were kind of we are were not a sexual household. The Zabrowski's, <laughs> it was not a liberal household. <laughs> you so, were you came in UPS. Yeah, it's just like that. That's all it was. <laughs> and so we, but it, it's very interesting. Like because I, I was the same way. Because I very much so believed in. Uh, the Catholic uh, system. Yeah. I really, I wanted to be a priest. Yeah. But the thing was that I was I, I really think I was such a horny little boy, and I was such I was so horny the that I couldn't the body. I couldn't. But then what happened was quote unquote sins. Yes. Yeah. Sins. yeah oh, exactly. But yeah. I I couldn't be a priest. Yeah. I was just like no no no. So you can't have sex. Yeah. And, you know. But I still felt like really kind of bent and twisted by it. But then my mom got kicked out of the church for divorcing her first husband. Uh. And when that happened... That really happens? They go, you have to leave? Catholics are bad. Are bad? <laughs> they're bad at that. They're bad at that kind of shit. Like, I just didn't know if you said bad or bad. I yeah, no, they're bad. Say bad yeah. shit crazy, or no. you mean they were bad. They're bad. I understand. Yeah, so they I go, didn't know that. Would, so someone pulled your mom. How does that go? Is it in the mail? She went to go get absolved for the sin. Like oh, she went, because it already happened because he I'm was really to bad to her. Right now. Yeah, she, he was really bad to her. And so they had gotten divorced, but then she went in and she was like, I'm trying to make good with the church. I want to get absolved for doing this. It's like, we can never absolve you for that. As a matter of fact, you cannot actually come to this church anymore. Talk about politics right there. Yeah, exactly. And then Father Tom ended up being a child molester, and he uh. molested all the kids around me, but me. Oh, Why not me? Oh I was funny oh and sweet. Boy. It's like the Seinfeld yeah. where George wants to be in the cult. Yes. He's like, what's wrong? Why, 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 I'm, I'm moldable. I was very charming. Yeah. It's interesting what we're talking about. Like that. So you're saying you were too horny. I remember feeling the exact same thing, by the yeah. way. I had on one hand, and you know what's fucked up? I'll share with you. Is I had on one hand becoming a pastor. I was like, yes. I'm going to become a pastor. The other hand wasn't fucking a bunch of randos. It was being a weird guy in an apartment with a wall for full of pornography because this was the 80s. I understand. And I was like, I wanted like those like grotesque, oversized VHS cases. <laughs> exactly. I because I hadn't even been exposed to that much pornography. Yeah. And I just knew that that was a my thing I'm safe into. Thing like talk about no judgment. It's not anywhere near Dahmer. Obviously, I don't have to say that. But I had shame. I would go every week and I would confess lust. They would say any prayer requests. And I'd go, lust. And I looked at the other 15-year-olds in my little core group. It was like a small group. Yeah. And I was like, why the fuck aren't you idiots confessing lust too? Are you not jerking it? Turns out some of them weren't. Way worse. Yeah. I was, felt bad about it. Best case scenario, was and just was like, fuck off. I, that doesn't have anything to do with my relationship with God. I never understood that. It was like I guess that was what ended up turning me against all religion was that a sin, that that's simple it. thing. It was that thing of being like, well, you're going to tell me this thing that's obviously a natural part of me. Right. I'm also obviously driven to do it. I looked it up in the the encyclopedia. That's yeah. how I knew what masturbation was. Yeah. I had learned about it <laughs> through the encyclopedia <laughs> and then tried it. Yeah. And then they put the family computer in my room yeah, when boom. I was 13 years boom. old. In a thirteen-year-old boy's bedroom, where yeah. I had become like yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Robot, yeah, in there, course. just yeah. like I knew all of it. Uh, I just possibly <laughs> hornier Mr. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Do you think he ever fucked the Christian Slater guy? You know, like oh, spoiler, yes. spoiler. If you yeah. don't see that coming, you're an idiot. Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> so just that's not like... a spoiler. That's a lowercase s spoiler. But you know, when I had uh, Father Richard Rohr on the podcast, he's a Franciscan friar. He he said something so valuable to me. He was saying we need to get over the church which he would agree with you is fucked up in some ways, uh, in a lot of ways. He's like, they need to get over this obsession with the sins of the body. Because here you have men in their 40s making rules for you, 13, you don't fucking remember. Yeah, it's just like you don't remember the... I'm a werewolf. My body is literally, yeah, it's transforming. I'm I'm becoming something. No more eating foxes. (laughs) No eating foxes and chickens. (laughs) You fucking asshole. You've been on the downslope of your sexual peak for 20 years. Exactly. dipshit. And you're going to tell me that like, you told me that the more I did it, the further I was from God and then you become obsessed. And then what a threat that becomes because then it becomes a thing when you're good and every... Because that was the thing too. I was not a rebellious kid. Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe if I had, like, other ways, like, if I went punk or if I had, like, gone to, like, goth or, like, yeah. done something where I was openly rebelling, yeah. it'd be a different story. But I was a really good kid mm. that was really enthusiastic about school and doing, like, I was into, like, I was a nerd. I was really into fucking, like, glee club. I was a class clown. I was, like, one of those people that got a really good time. And I had what then felt like this, like, seething dark side of me that I thought was me being horny all the time because <laughs> yeah. I thought it was bad. Yeah. And I was like, no, you were just normal. You're just, like, a <laughs> Little th- you're just like now I'm just a normally horny adult. That's right. It's funny because I, I always bring this up because it, it made a, I love Mad Men. I love Mad Men, mm-hmm. and he says the goal of every ad is to tell you you are okay. And isn't it funny that we were getting that message more from advertising <laughs> than we absolute. were from the eternal loving God? <laughs> yeah. We're just like, no, I fucked up. I'm putting more distance between me and God. And I'll tell you, you know, it's it could have gone. This is me saying. I'm glad it didn't get worse because what I had was some mold in the dark and it could have grown and spread. And gotten all weird. It could have gotten truly weird. It, it could have gotten truly weird and I could have been wanting like uh, glycerin eggs, up my, which is fine. I'm if not, that's what you need. I'm not here to judge. <laughs> Whatever but, keeps you from shooting up a mall, <laughs> then do it. Exactly. I yeah. will tell you though that like Val, my girlfriend who grew up in the church as well, we both kind of bonded over the fact and it, I would tell you if it had manifested in something weird sexual, yeah, yeah, I would tell yeah, yeah. you. But we do share i'll just speak for myself i have a sex is dirty thing that i think can kind of enhance sex which is almost better i know i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) i feel like repressed christian sex might be one of the better kind because then it really becomes explosive it becomes like a thing (laughs) exactly it's like you actually want it and are excited by it right you're not someone because i know a lot of guys that went through like they were like pansexual and now like sex is like really like boring to them they're like right yeah i guess so netflix yeah and i'm just like i still really like it like i'm still like way all about it right right, real excited knowing that i got that it's gonna happen for me and i'm just like and it's real like a thing and and it's true and it's still i i love it now now and i can freely express myself to do it now it's a shame though that i'm happy to talk to you about it that this very basic thing like taking a dump you know what I mean? There's, yeah. there's this catharsis. Uh, to me, was something that I would like as soon as I came. It, I didn't even enjoy. It's weird that I'm not more fucked up as I'm saying this to you. As soon as I was done, I just started the repenting period. My first therapist, not Dr. Gary Penn, but uh, Dr. Sure, his name was Sure here in Brooklyn, he, uh, he was like, I wonder if that's part of it for you. It was like this eight ball. The coke was jerking off and the heroin was... Cleaning the cash. Yeah. Getting rid of the evidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I wonder if, and I was very close to becoming addicted to that sort of 
cycle. It's, it's interesting because yeah. I, I really believe in that there's something about the self-punishment part of it right. that it Equus. becomes – Yeah, it's ne- it's necessary for some reason. That's right. And it's like I do it all like I do it all the time in just in my normal life too, not even just sexually. It's like a thing – it comes from that. It comes from like I firmly believe in the idea of penance for some reason. Now I believe it more in like in universal energies, mm. but it used to be about like this idea of like good things are mixed with bad things. There's never like a th- – it's always like something has to come and check something that is only purely good, which mm. I know is like ludicrous. It's like, it's just like That's a perfect. Ludicrous. It's just a Christian mentality out of nowhere. I understand that I, that I feel all the time, and yeah. then I used to feel just with masturbating, right? And now I feel it. I don't feel it with that anymore. I just feel it with the rest of my life. Interesting. <laughs> well, when you're a kid, what else is there? I mean, like, what else could you be doing? You might be smoking or stealing or cheating. Yeah, I just was. I was such a good little kid. I just uh, right. needed. I would have fucked a tree stump. Right. Like I was like a little right. dog. There was just like a, like a me humping all the time and right. just should, could be lifted up and put places. This is why comedy talks about sex so much. And I yes. resisted that for a long time. I was like, I'm not going to be one of those people. And then I realized just how much Freudian baggage we all have that you can be that good boy. And then blood rushes to a part. Literally just blood. 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 To cartilage. Yes, exactly. And thoughts, electrical, <laughs> are getting exchanged. <laughs> you see someone's cleavage. I, I have vivid memories of seeing cleavage oh yeah just yeah, that yeah, yeah, just yeah. being like oh my god the music video world at the time yeah oh my god man destroyed when you, me when you watched uh, MTV S- Spice Girls yeah what Spice Girls did to us yeah <laughs> you have <laughs> no <laughs> idea you have, I was always a which one did I like? I kind of like the 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 blonde one. I like the baby one too. It's is weird. that baby spice? Yeah, it's baby spice. Oh, Bad name no. though. I didn't like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't like I that. I thought I liked it. Oh, and, 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 the, and the redhead one. I liked the well, yeah. the more substantial. The, ones. the, the softer ones. The softer That's what ones. I like. That I like. Yeah, uh, it's very funny. Um, I but I also feel like there's a lot of comedy for me. It was like growing up really fat, and also just like a, I wanted to get ladies. Yeah, and I wanted to make friends, and yeah. I learned that being funny was the thing that helped me do that i was just watching uh what was that old sketch show on nickelodeon we were talking about it um it's called like all that all that yeah and the the heavier girl is destroying you know what i mean yes like whenever there was if there's a young good-looking person that's funny i'm like what 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 is going on why did you do this because i feel like i honestly think a lot of time it comes from a weird megalomania because then what happened to amanda bynes right She's very ill now. Who's Amanda Bynes? She was all that. She was the breakout young, cute one oh. of all that. The mm-hmm. blonde girl, mm-hmm. and she's she now legitimately is very deeply sick and insane. Interesting. And uh, the, uh, her, the uh, larger girl, I forgot. She quit comedy. She quit it. Yeah, she got out. Yeah, she made a break for it. <laughs> but you're right. If if you're not comp, I, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here. But if you're not compensating for some sort of shame, like I remember when I was a kid. We'd do these videos, and my friend, this fucking asshole named Matt, I, he might be a sweetheart now, but he was kind of my bully friend. Yeah. I don't, when you're in eighth grade and there's only 20 kids in your class, you make friends with the popular kid, and he's the bully. Yeah. We would do like videos, like home videos, where the joke was I had my shirt off, and it wasn't the good laugh. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. And, then I, and then I forget who said it, but it's like to control... Not that people are laughing at me, but why, how they're laughing at me. Like, yeah. That's why you go into comedy. And like, but there is something kind of lovely now. Whenever I have to like – I remember in the writer's room, they were like, are you willing to take your shirt off here? And I was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a mo- weird. It'd be weird I'm, if I was be, like, I don't take my shirt off. Like that's the beauty. I've been thinking a lot lately about comedy and I've resisted this a lot, but now I'm going to say something in favor of it being a benign violation. Have you heard that? Yeah. Like what? So, so what's, so what's the idea is that you can do something where it's like, I do it a lot of time. My, a lot of my comedy is, uh, in, in sketch world and stuff like yeah. that. It's very embarrassment based. It's oh, very, uh, it's very, it's kind of coming from a, uh, tortured person. Interesting. Perspective. I guess the benign violation that when I'm watching the Simpsons, I'm like, wow, that theory really is correct. Like yeah. somebody would be like, uh, I guess there's, they're rolling out a cake for Seymour Skinner's party and Bart goes I hope you brought plates and forks okay that's a benign violation right there it's like yeah. you're supposed to have plates and forks but he says it kind of cheerily yeah. very benign but yeah. it's a violation you're supposed to be sorry there's no plates and forks but you're like hope you brought plates and forks <laughs> but then Chief Wiggum in the audience holds up a plate and fork and goes I sure did or whatever that's a benign violation that yeah. like, of course you wouldn't but he does and that surprises us and makes us laugh but the fat guy uh, being confident in his body is another benign you're like you're supposed to be ashamed. Shame. But I can't believe you're just, yeah, you're disgusting. I can't believe you're flaunting it like that. But yeah. just being confident is kind of funny for some reason because we're like, oh, he's not low status. He's coming out high status. Charlie Chaplin being a hobo but killing it. Exactly. Know, like, yeah. I, I, how many jobs have I had? I've had probably five jobs where I've been paid to just be like, can you believe she's making out with him? Like, yeah. I've made oh. out with so many people. Like, Glenn Howerton I made out with. I made out with Sharon Stone. No I made way. out with it. But, like, these people, that, and I get hired just being like, wouldn't it be the craziest, right. grossest thing in the world if he was touched? Ah. Look at him. Look Imagine at that touch. We treated him as something that needed love. <laughs> but isn't there something lovely, too? I hope. You paid me. It, well, sure. I don't really like that for you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel, I don't know. I, I know it was great and you got paid and you got work and it's, it is what it is. It's just sad. I do like Lena Dunham very much for being like, I've heard stories that she goes back and if the take didn't show enough cellulite, she'll be like, do it again. We need to go with the worst one because fuck you is why. Exactly. It needs to be, <laughs> she's just real. It's supposed to be, that's what I look like when I get out of right, bed. Right, right, it's right. not going to be like, I'm not going to be all sucked in and yeah. like moving, like doing a thing where my legs are creamed. Just right, like, right, no, right, I just right. got out of bed. Like, it's going to look like this. Right. I, and I, I but think that it's really important. me. She probably thinks I'm helping young women. So no, it's helping me. us. You're helping everybody. <laughs> I'd like to think you're helping the girl that feels like she's too skinny. I know that's kind of absurd, but like, there's lots of different. I don't there's think it is absurd, actually. There's, many there's different lots ways. of different ways to feel bad about your body. So many fun ways to feel uh, horrible about how you look. Because and, we're, we've been sold a lie since the beginning. Well, because then you're just really, you know, the, the, all, all of the things we've read and watched have basically sold us some sort of perfect version of reality right. that it's just not how it is. Right. It's. it's now we're we're even more so in it, like with, with this weird reality controlling combination of the news and entertainment, and there's mm-hmm. so much of it. So now you have to have people that are like, I guess, disturbers. It's like what Troma calls themselves. Troma Entertainment calls themselves as as media disturbers. Oh, I don't know that. It's this concept that Lloyd Kaufman like hit me with. He was like talking about how like it's like they need us. They need people like us that like purposefully dive bomb all the time because mm. the whole point is to just kind of destroy the flow of everybody saying everything needs to be polished and perfect and yes. and look great. 
And he's like, well, right. our job is to fuck that up. Right. And Lena- Isn't that like, I'm not an expert, but it seems to me like that's like Andy Warhol painting a Campbell's soup can. Yes. You know, and, and even the graffiti I see, like just shit that's like, no. Yeah, just perfect. Little- no. no, 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 no. You can't control me. It's going to look like this. It's coming out exactly. It's actually not going to come out exactly as I want it. Right. And I think that's a big thing. There's there's a lot of that in comedy right now. A lot of comedy, too, is also very, very structured and very, very well put together. Sure. Very polished and yes. sweet. Where it's like it's nice to do something like what we're doing on Crashing, where it's like so improv based that it can actually kind of feel a little dog right. haired and feel like this thing where it's like, okay, it's kind of natural and it's going in a, it's exactly. going in a way and it's about and capturing keep, a feeling. Keep in the- take where the thing is said and and we all just kind of genuinely laugh yeah you know it's I mean? pretty cool or when i did a talk show keep the fuck up like of course keep the we were keep so, the fuck up we were so excited when we fucked up yeah and i think that reminds us like i, I picture like a rubber ball and some i feel like society is saying there's this golden arrow pointing forward that you're supposed to like stay on this one path and the artist or the good artist to me is the ball that's surrounded by blue arrows pointing in every direction. Exactly, like 360 like, arrows. It's wherever I am is where my voice is supposed to be. There it's you a, go. Whatever it is I'm saying is is exactly how what I meant to say and exactly how I meant to say exactly. it. Exactly. Even if it's not perfect to you or perfect to somebody else, just be like, well, I'm here doing my best to stay true to my center. That's right. And it requires me to just kind of sometimes spit and sometimes make massive mistakes. That's right. That's and miss right. the mark That's and like right. be and be fucking wrong. And I was like, just watching a thing. Of, uh, I, uh, I forget what it's called. The Boomer List or something on Netflix. Very good. Interesting. Yeah. And there was this woman talking about her father raised her at the end of the day. She'd say, what did you fail at today? She He reclaimed the word fail because he was like, That's good. We should be doing dangerous, interesting, risky things. She's walking out to an edge and kind of just seeing what happens and have everything kind of fall yeah. apart. It's cool to have people that are really good at what, you know, it's like being in the, one of the kings of that millennia's house right now. It's just being yeah. like, he's such a good practitioner of, of honing sure. things down. Right. But that's another ti- entirely different art. That's another category. That's a whole other thing that like he does. And you know what's funny is I love watching Ray Romano, Jerry Seinfeld, John Mulaney. Those are the people that I watch and they do stand up. Yes. You know what I mean? They stand do up. stand up. And they go up there and they and it's but it's perfect. And it's perfect. It was a like Gray Romano. I saw I laughed my fucking That's face right. off. We saw him in Tampa with my parents. Uh, yeah. My mom was just like, he's just like the television yeah, show. Because yeah, my yeah. mom is like right. very mu- my mom is Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond. She is that woman. <laughs> my mom's like that too. Yeah, it's a, and she and it's they it, it, Ray Romano just like yeah, yeah, just yeah. You, you. I know it's a room of six year olds, sure. but he just pumped them over a bench. He and also just, just comes out and starts. Yes, Mulaney comes out and just starts. Boom! It's just funny like, for the first second. Exactly. Brian Regan is that way too. These aren't big riffers. These aren't you know like I kind of like. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. Brian Regan. I kind of. I felt. It's like I. I remember being watching him as a kid and thinking he was really funny and thinking because I watched a lot of stand up as a kid. Yeah. And then recently I went back and I've been watching a lot of Brian Regan. Man, that motherfucker is really funny. Yeah. I forgot. I just yeah. forgot how yeah, yeah, funny yeah. he was. I'm watching him and Doug Stanhope. I just going through and also I'll go through little periods of time where I'll just watch a bunch of comedy specials and right now I'm trading between the two of them. Right. And they're just so right polar opposites. And they're those guys. I saw Brian Regan in probably 1999 at the Comedy Connection in Boston and what I really remember was that the opener sweat and bombed and then brought him out and I felt so bad for the kid and then brought him out and everyone went nuts. I'd never heard an applause like that and I was part of it. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah. And he just kind of, I think he went like, okay, okay, let's start. And then he goes, he might not have even said that but he just went like, okay, let's do this. He goes like, uh, I was, I, I, uh, 
was trying to build a grill. He's trying to build a grill. It's pretty easy. It's just like building a rocket. <laughs> and when he said rocket, <laughs> there's Martin, Martin Short's hilarious costume. First joke. First joke. Great boom. joke. Yeah. And then it didn't stop for an hour and 15 minutes. He's, just on, just like, he's an unstoppable monster. But those are stand-ups. And then there's the – what we're talking about is different. And yes, I'm not saying it's, it's just better. depends on what your style is. It's different, yeah. And they're the and they're the ones. I think Louis is certainly one of them. Uh, Bill Burr is one. I don't world know. of thoughts and Mark world Mirren of yes. is one of them for sure. Those yeah. guys that come out and they're like, let me talk about what happened today or whatever it is. Yeah, and trying to figure and construct it as you go and kind of and it's a lot of improv and it's right. a lot of what it feels right now, what right. feels good, like what what I'm I'm going to try and shoot for this right. thing or oh, this bit over here I'm going to try and shoot for it and see if I can land it in the right, right way. Right, right, right. I'll dig a hole just to get out of it. Yeah. Like I want to lose you just it's to very get scary. you. That is very scary. It's very scary and to be honest a lot of the times, if I'm going to watch stand-up, I prefer the first group, and I belong to the second. Well, like, exactly. <laughs> it's really strange. It's, it's so funny. I like because I think about that because I like watching the masters go because they're yeah. so fu- it's so fun. It's so I want to be entertained. It's so safe. I watch it and be like, well, you're just going to entertain the fuck out of me and sit and laugh. Right, right. But then when I watch somebody who's closer to what I do, I just go and be like. You're not trying hard Well, enough. you really do it. You really, I, I flirt in both pools. I, I'm trying to compliment you. You'll go and do a character, like a hard commit. I ha- I'm, I'm not saying you did this literally, but like with a baby with a Hitler mustache. You'd do that. Like you'd yeah. be a guy backstage going, I'm going to dig in, commit. It is a brutal set. It's a sad world sometimes. When you, um, one of my one of the worst parts about being a character, like I do character stand up a lot, yeah. and I think one of the saddest things is going to the host and be like, "Can you uh, introduce me as Horace Applebottom?" And they have to yeah. be like, "Yeah." You know what I mean like you see the look right. in their face. That's a problem. Then, and as a character stand up, then you have to like really have to crush. Yeah. Which then keeps me from performing sometimes. That's right. Because like, I'll pull out of shows just Buddy. because it's like, I know I have to go crush it. That's it. And if I don't, if it's too, because it's like a lot of my stuff, it's like I have to figure it it's out on my feet. It's all or nothing. Yeah. yeah. And if I don't crush it, mm-hmm. I'm going to be embarrassed of this because I have props with me. And I'm a back of fucking props. You're wearing like two a pair huge of hands. Yeah. yeah. And you have to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I I, uh, I did a freestyle rap battle once, and I decided to do it as Ray Romano. That's, that's hilarious. And it, the first time I spoke, it, it didn't really get a laugh. This is kind of my only character story. Yeah. And then I was like, I said in the Ray Romano voice, I was like, I have to do this for the next hour and a half or whatever. <laughs> I can't even remember how I said it. But it was like that feeling of being trapped. Well, even when you do improv, uh, which I recently did with Lauren Lapkus and George Basil, and it was so fun. I hadn't done it in a long time. That's awesome. But you're stuck in it. You're stuck in it. The stand-up can go, well, oh, this isn't going so and well. And abandon it and look, do another exactly. thing. Exactly. Look at this fucking guy. He's, he's been looking at me like, oh, yeah. blah, 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 And you're just back, and it's safer in that regard. Well, that's, you go out with two big hands and a Russian accent. You're stuck in this, because we'll, if not, you look like an, you just look like an asshole. I've seen people try and bail on oh. things. We don't like it. No. We hate, we hate you even we more now. We hate you more. So Isn't what I have weird? to do, it's very interesting. You have to lean into bombing then. Yeah. And then I do it. Then my thing is that I have to do the thing where it's like, all right, well, if you don't like this, now you're really That's not right. going to like That's this. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's funny is I do that in my stand-up is I, I'm trying to think of a bit I have where I do this. 
I have a bit about a, de- a kid with a deep voice. And yeah. I'm just like, mommy. Like, he just has a really deep voice. <laughs> mommy. Right? And often, see, you're my friend, and I love you. <laughs> and you laugh. And it's just so... And it's a true story. I saw a kid yeah. with a very deep voice. And then I'm just doing it. And the bit is just like, if I were to write it out in bold, it would say, do the voice until they stop until laughing. Until they stop laughing, yeah. And until sometimes it's over. they don't even laugh at, mommy. Mommy. Which is so, <laughs> so funny, funny to me. Yeah, and then I'll funny. do it longer. <laughs> And then I'll say, I'm doing this because you're not laughing. Yeah. And that's, that's a new level of comedy right there. Yeah, because you come out – then hopefully you come out on the other side and you're like – and you're safe. If you're not going to laugh at the bit, at least laugh at the benign violation of I refuse to be shamed into stopping. <laughs> that then my becomes failure. the joke. I'm embracing my yeah, failure. I feel the vibe in the room will change. Like people emit a frequency and a pheromone. So you're smelling it and you're hearing it. I got the message. You're rejecting me. Stop doing the kid voice. But then the joke can become no. Well, now then they have to learn. <laughs> but when you do, when you save it like that, then they now the audience trusts you even more. That's right. Being like, okay, he never actually meant to lose us. He right, was right, just right. doing this Daddy's thing. Driving. And, yeah, he's going to come just, and do things. Say dad's driving. Um, but I now that I do the my podcast live, we do my my po- we go What's out. It called? Plug it. Last podcast from the left on Boom. Cave Comedy Radio. Oh, for horror. Yes, we do. Um, a our it's. Uh, serial killers and the occult and the paranormal. I love it. I want to talk about that. It's fun. Um, and, but I go and do – we do live shows. And what I like on that show is I play many, many characters within the show. It's like we, we deliver information and then I bump out to characters. Oh, and I'll fun. do stuff. So I can play like 20 characters in a show. And when we do it live, we show videos and we like MSTK 3000. Like we do that yeah, to the yeah. – to the, uh, to the, the videos and it's fun because I get to feel like a stand-up it's like oh wow I didn't get st- I don't have to be stuck in a bit I now can go here we can g- we can see what works and then I can abandon it and be live and it's so fun to, yes, like, that, to improv great. actually in the room yeah that's oh, nice. so fun I want to talk all about that let's you love horror movies I love horror movies. we hypothesize it comes up all the time actually it's been coming up lately even without your love of horror films the need and maybe even the increased need for catharsis, meaning we're on the record we, we, and, and we're avoiding – when we're on the record and we're being on our best behavior and we're being as Mr. Rogersy as we can, yeah. you, certainly you don't die. How traumatic was it when Mr. Rogers died? Yeah, it's so fucking brutally die. sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, now he's, he's a skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> he's a horror movie. If you were to go to his house, if we were to go and open up his casket and just see him going like, oh, like that would be t- terrifying. But like, just the fact <laughs> that he is a skeleton yeah. and that we're all skeletons. Covered in meat. Run with electricity. And, and we're also disgustingly encased in blood. Mm. Of course, anybody listening knows I'm going to mention there's a type of Buddhist meditation that where you just contemplate the blood in how you? gross you are. Mm. That I have shit in my colon right now and I'm covered in blood and there's fat and there might even be disease. You see, I just watched all these videos of porchetta being made yesterday. All these videos. Like porchetta? A, yeah, it's a type of pork. It's an Italian roast pork. Oh, and it's just like, man, for some reason when you sit all the blood and the fat stuff it made me like really hungry really <laughs> like, that's funny i like it was I just understand. watching a brutal uh, a pig because now i'm at that i'm kind of the foodie level where yeah. it's like i'll see them deboning the pig and i'm just like i hope that the fat marbles yeah is isn't that weird at a but, high temperature. but look at that and anybody listening to this podcast knows i'm going to say that native americans had all these mythologies to reconcile with the fact that life feeds on death yeah and interesting the horror film says that's why they had all the stories about like we, I'll, I, I'm not going to do my offensive Native American voice, even though I'd really. Like I do it. like it though. <laughs> <laughs> I do like. It. Just I imagine. Do not it. shame our people. 
<laughs> Just imagine it. Uh, but they were like, we made a pact with the buffalo. Like, we won't kill all of you, and you'll show up here every year, and that's how we'll survive, and that's how you'll survive, and all this sort of – there was a harmony to it. Yeah. Very Avatar. Uh, but, you know, that is the fact, is life feeds on death. Even, you know, even if you don't eat meat, you're still eating things that would prefer to live on some level. A, yeah. toma- a tomato would rather they're, rock it out in the sun. Exactly. Their, their drive is to survive. And make oxygen. They're doing their shit. Yeah. But I feel like it, it's something along the lines of like, you know. They the find t- the sun. The, the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead talks about how like they, they do a lot of meditation. That's a first. No one's ever brought up the Tibetan Book of the Dead before I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but they talk about how like monks prepare for the afterlife, yes. right? And then you sit and you think about going through the bardo and the things you're going to face and how you face your fears and all shit. Horror movies to me are sort of like it's almost like rehearsal for it. Fucking a. it's rehearsal for it. the end. I get it's it. It's rehearsal to go. And it's like I'm so scared of the end, and I was such a scared little kid. It's- and I had a librarian tell me that once. That's kind of what happened. Is that I was sitting. I was a very. I used to go to the library by myself and like take up piles of books and sit and read. And I would like go to the. And I was always into horror books, but they used to scare the fuck out of me. And then finally, this librarian. I was like talking about it, and he was just like, you know, like the more you know about something, you can take the fear out of it. Mm. And so because it was a thing that truly scared me, and I was literally scared of hell. I was scared of the devil. I thought it was all real because I was very Catholic. Something about owning it. That's right. And getting deep into it yep. alleviated all fears of it. And that's where uh, I'll see you're at, uh, pretty... Um, your pretty face is going to sorry, hell. Your pretty face. I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> your pretty face is going to hell. Yes. Your TV show, so funny, but also cathartic. And that's Dave. Dave Willis, who write the, and, and Casper Kelly who write that show, are both also Christian men. I just men. assumed you wrote it. No, I, I improv. I just uh, improv shit. Okay. So it's like I go in and it, like, it's one of those weird... Uh, it seems almost fate-based combinations of people that we all mm. end up really finding the same things funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's like the show where it's like I get to go be the most murder fist version of myself mm. on television. I love that. That's an adjective. Yeah, for me. It's like yeah. I get to be me. I get yeah, to yeah. actually be a, into, into my comedy and play it as dark as I want to go. That's right. And they love, love it, it because they're, they're obsessed, though, with the tortured man. That's a thing where it's like they – because they I think they feel that way, Wait, too, in their lives. Is there a more tortured man? that lives his life following his instincts trying to be good and simultaneously believes that he's going to be tortured forever it's pretty intense it's very intense that is that is the life of a christian person that was my life yeah for sure where it's like and then it's weird and then it creates both uh, interesting and complicated social and sexual thoughts right where it's just like you're constantly in this scenario of like i'm like you're always in a hole digging out of it this is why you know i go back and forth on this issue but i have had moments in my life where i think that teaching children about an eternal conscious living hell is child abuse because you just told me uh about the rotation of the earth and you just told me about the milky way and you just told me about like how all this, all this stuff travels. that's true true yeah. true all exactly. this stuff that is a bedrock of everything i'm supposed to know it's that is just that is shocking truth. and just as unknown as you saying there's another dimension called hell and if you keep saying motherfucker you're going there yeah what? yeah that's yeah that is i am literally i'm not just saying this surprised that i'm not the guy and maybe there is a part of me that is the guy obviously there is that wants to be swallowed by the monster that likes that idea you know what i mean then facing it, it it also takes you into it 
Right. Like, if it becomes real, it's like, it's a weird calming thing of like, wow, they were always right. This thing is, I'm almost, I'm validated. Right. I should have been, I, I should have been feeding more into this lifestyle as I went. Like, I should have believed in the devil because now That's I right. know the devil's real. You know, it's really interesting. I found in dreams, I found in falling asleep, uh, as I'm falling asleep, about to dream, and I found in hallucinating on, on drugs. Yeah. That... If there's something that you're afraid of, the way to disempower it is to uh, confront it. It's Freddy Krueger. Yeah, you go right up into it. You go right up. How does he? How does she beat Freddy Krueger? She says, "I'm not afraid of you." She turns and faces him. Yeah. And I've had mushroom trips where I've seen a thing, and it was a it was a, a jaguar, like a purple eyed jaguar. Cool. It was scary. I didn't really see it in the way that those of us that haven't hallucinated. It's not like a three dimensional. It's not. It is a. Th- it's like a thought meets a realization of like this is kind of what I'm seeing, and that's then right. you fill it out you yourself. Fill it out. That's right. And yeah. if you shake your head and kind of snap out of it, you realize you're looking at a lamp. Yeah. You know I mean? But I was seeing this jaguar, and it was growling at me because one of the things that I think is so gorgeous about mushrooms is there's life and death together. Yeah. At the same time, because you're technically poisoning yourself, right? You're sure. like you're doing this act where it's like a, it's a it's a weird self harm, but in the end, it's teaching me about my but own even fucking that, brain. Even that, this gorgeous thing is also this type of food poisoning that your body is desperately trying to get rid of. It's very And it gives you euphoria. Yeah. So it is the most transrational, non-dual experience that you'll have. So you can be feeling ecstasy and in the clouds, you can see Michael Jordan dunking a basketball into a cloud rim. Love it. And then right behind him is Mr. Rogers' skeleton. <laughs> and that's what you have to do is you say yes to both of those. And that's one of the ways that we exonerate ourselves from this constant fear that we're pretending to not be living here. Well, this is a thing I talk about all the time with the podcast and where my 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 producer and I are both uh, work in this world called chaos magic, where it's the guy. A lot of that is, is is a concept of that. It's holding two things in your head at all times. Beautiful. Where you do things. The whole one of the axioms of it. So it's like so. I've dealt a lot with like the Church of Satan and stuff like that. Where it's like there's this weird dichotomy in that world where there are people that that believe there's the Temple of Set that believe that they want to crack open the world and there's an ancient Egyptian god that they are going to serve and he's going to come out of the world and they think. It's real, and they're and they're very serious. And then there's the other people, wow. the Church of Satan, that are more elevated atheists. And the point is to don use the Church of Satan as a way to make fun of all. It's a parody religion, interesting. and the the, the satanic it's a parody b- account. It's very interesting. The satanic Bible is a, is very funny. Like the mm. whole thing is making fun of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and it's specifically the Catholic Church mm-hmm. where it's like they they make fun of it, they adopt things of it, and they subvert it. But now the Church of Satan is very political because the whole thing they're building these Baphomet statues in order to show like we can build a statue about Baphomet but the secret is is that we, we, it's this it's this polarized thought of the I we don't actually believe that the Baphomet is a deity that is real that we worship. We actually right. don't. We actually actively don't believe mm. that any sort of, of mm. that that entity exists. But we are going to show. But we are also going to worship it almost ironically mm. and, and do a thing. But there's an energy in that. But they're going to let their belief pool here. Yes, ours will pool there. And ours will pull here. Yes, and we will do this. And so, but chaos magic is is, is another, which is more just about reality in general, mm. where it's like you're a, a part of a tenuous, controllable reality that is a, a part about like building whatever it is that you believe in. It's building your own system of belief. Mm. And there's like people like Grant Morrison and Alan Moore, a lot of those guys. They believe in this. Like they wear a lot of pewter. That's how you know somebody's real. That's a problem. I'm not a real chaos magician because they yeah. don't have four 
pewter rings yet. But once I get the rings, <laughs> then I'm set. Why pewter? I don't know, because they make uh, dragons and wizard stuff that they like to wear. Okay. <laughs> You've seen Alan Moore. Have you ever seen Alan Moore? No. I don't think so. <laughs> he wears a lot of rings. He's got a cane. Right. Grant Morrison dresses in like a black costume and right. stuff. But it's kind of about you build a persona and then you fill it out and there's like a fake version of you. That's like almost like an avatar version of you. Right. And then there's like a personal version of you. And yeah, sure. But isn't that, you know, Alice Cooper and all that and Marilyn Manson and there's clearly this need for this response to Mr. Rogers. Yes. And Mickey Mouse. Absolutely. Somebody's got to be the antithesis. And that's right. part of it just being like, well, that's kind of what like you, you talk about times like you need a villain. Well, Alan Watts would say we don't know darkness without light or we don't know light without darkness. Yeah. That sort of thing. Satanic Bible talks about all time being like they are make like they literally it's this whole thing they are maligning the dude that makes their main hero the cool one like you don't understand it's just like we're needed as a part of the story yes. we have to be the antithesis you have to have the the adversary right because if not you it's like you learn nothing but then people, he has no obstacles but then people think i think that satanists are praying for children to get sick or something no, like that no, it's no, not about no that. they just really just like wearing black <laughs> it's mostly people do it to get laid and there's a lot of like, I think there's oh a lot God. to it. Can I stop you? People do it to get laid. That that has a huge part of it. Everybody wants to be loved in some sort of way. Yeah, and, and it's a cool from, yeah. fucking group. And if you like goth chicks and you like having a good sure. time, like it's a very ridiculous thing. I was supposed to go do – there's a night called Walpurgisnacht that is the number one satanic holiday. And it's May 1st, which is also my birthday. That's my dad's birthday. Very strange. Yeah. Right? Right? Yeah. But it's the number one satanic holiday. <laughs> but you go it's supposed to be a thing where you go in a field where everybody's naked and everybody like fucks each yeah, other it's yeah, like yeah. a pole you run around a pole and it's just like it's a like maypole? a sort of yeah. it's a fertility thing and it's yeah. supposed to be fun but mostly it's like a drinking festival yeah and so I was supposed to go do this uh, they were opening a new church this this temple thing for the church of Satan at uh, in Salem Massachusetts on my birthday yeah and I was supposed to go MC it and because like mm-hmm. the problem is, is it's very funny because I was trying to pitch them because I met a couple of representatives from the Church of Satan. It's like you guys need a Sinbad, like you guys need like a guy who comes oh in and like will God. do some of this shit that will like laugh it up, and, like yeah. do this kind of yeah, yeah, like yeah. like we got to make this like show that it's funny to do it, and right. we got to like you know like to embrace it. It's a parody religion. Let's right. enjoy. Let's en- let's enjoy. They wouldn't be offended by you saying it's a parody. They religion. were that they got very uh... offended. But you have to. But if you go back and read all the shit, you should realize, like, no, it's supposed to. Like, Anton Levey was a carnival barker. Mm. It was about entertainment. It's about building a persona, and then it's about applying it to. I I, I apply meaning to my own life and things in my life, mm. and that's a part of what the chaos magic idea of is that like there are things that are sacred because I give them mm. sanctity mm-hmm. because there are things that I that are for me that I love and give my life purpose and meaning and uh, and. You know, my friends are a part of that, and my family is a part of that. It's like that's all stuff that's very. But secret isn't it to me. interesting that a group of nude people, human people, just like me yeah. and just like you, pooping, eating, preferring Quiznos to Subway, yeah. can gather in dark clothing, then shed it in a pole in a field? And I, I believe you know, like pagan just means peasant, yeah. it was uneducated, meaning they hadn't yet been uh, not uneducated, civilized. stupid. Yeah. They hadn't been civilized. That's all. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Just, just found that out. I'm going to. That's very interesting. That, <laughs> as if that was a big deal. But they can go that group giving meaning to that ceremony can um, terrify people. It's so funny because really because you gave it meaning and then we believed it. Yeah. Now you are believing a meaning which is actually you're taking my meaning and believing it for something else. It's like we're all fucking in the name of the the 
earth is coming alive and we're and we are a part of the the same fertility sweep that's happening in the springtime right. we're here celebrating it we're adding our energy to it yeah. we're helping the crops grow by fucking each other right. like we're doing all this stuff because we believe in the combined energy like that weird organ energy right. concept right. where it's like there's a that. there's a con- it's like one of those things that it, it kind of there's a hindu version of it and there's something else where it's like, it's like life energy mm. that comes from prana. death like pra- yes prana mm. where it's like it comes from death and uh, uh, and life. It's just going everywhere. Yes, and so it's like, you know, that's what they say about in ancient times, so like when people were doing magic, you'd do an animal sacrifice because the release of blood releases organ energy. Mm. But what Anton LaVey and Aleister Crowley came forward is saying, like, we don't have to kill ourselves, we just need to come. Mm. And that the, the act of coming is gives energy. Better. Yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Al- Aleister Crowley also ate... A lot of his own cum, and that was a lot of the stuff that really? I don't really. He made these things called um, cakes of light that were made out of menstrual blood and cum and flour, and he'd eat them. Really, he was all fucking weird. You know, uh, <laughs> I just watched this documentary about this guy named Bhagavan Das. Bhagwan Das, I think it's Bhagwan. Das. I don't know. I can yeah. never say it correctly. He's a musician, and he's a real bona fide weirdo, and uh, you know, does some questionable things. Sure. And one of them is like he's all about like eating uh, menstrual blood and painting with menstrual blood. We hate it. It's not. It's good. just another horror movie. <laughs> it is. You know what I mean? It is. It's just another thing going. Make no mistake, we come, we wipe it up with Kleenex, and we throw it away, or yeah, whatever. They and take these guys it. take it and eat it. And that's just, there is something understandably, uh, I don't want to say gorgeous, but there's something understandable about it. Where yeah. It's like, fuck you. I eat. made it from me, yeah. so I can't put it back in me. Right, right, right. It came out of me. Right. And so it's like, I could just do it but again. Most, most people won't drink a cup of their own spit. Like, they mm. do these studies where it's like, fill your mouth with spit, then swallow it. Fill your mouth with spit, spit in a cup. Now swallow it. They won't do it. Interesting. So that is interesting. So here comes the yang. Here comes the yang. <laughs> here comes the yang. Here and comes he comes the yang. Yeah, and you're, he loves to eat it. You're telling me not, and I'm saying yes. I'm going to absolutely do what the things that you told me not to do, but just so I can experience it. Right. And some people get a buzz off of it. It's like, I'll put it, this, this is probably a weird way to equate it, but I like organ meat. There's things that I go into restaurants. It's yeah. like, and stuff. It's like all that weird, like glands and brain and stuff like Head that. cheese. Yeah. And yeah. I get like a buzz off of it yeah, I understand. because there's a feeling to it of being like, I'm not supposed to eat these parts. This is what. Makes the lamb dance. That's interesting. That's funny. But there is something to me, uh, therapeutic or cathartic or whatever word you want to use, about eating marrow or something. Yes. Because I I do find it grotesque, but life is grotesque. So tasty. Life is brutal and all that sort of stuff. There's butter in our bones. Uh (laughs) That's what it shows you. But as opposed to believing the McDonald's billboard that uh, cow is beef and beef is a hamburger and a hamburger with cheese is a cheeseburger and the bun is a value meal, we've taken blood, we've taken death out of it. The guy that goes, no, give me the organ meat, I salute you because at least you're saying... I like to see where it comes from. I'm one of those where I'm the opposite. I like those nose to tail restaurants where you go. It's like I like seeing the animal butchered. I like it going through. I like seeing where it comes from. I like seeing them take pride in the fact that they raise the like the animals are raised correctly and it's killed humanely and we are celebrating that's what it. I'm saying. That's that to me seems more in line with what we were saying as a joke. Avatar, yeah, more of the Native American thing, which is like here is a brutal thing. Nobody's saying this thing didn't bleed and scream and cry and feel pain or whatever it is. Yeah, but you're not taking chicken 
and making it into poultry and then putting and circles it thing and, and like a value meal. Yeah, and th- and it's about this go this weird thing where it's like a food stuff I cram into my mouth. That's and I was right. Like, no, it's not. No, it's a it's a thing. It's I'm going to celebrate hot it. Dog. It's it's thirty thousand dead things. Yeah, and it's a, <laughs> <laughs> God guy. You can't even eat a hot dog anymore. Is that right? Yeah, I can't do well, it. Well, because you're a purist, you want to get. You want your colon served to you as colon. Pretty much. I want colon. <laughs> and I want it with, with mint, like, next to it. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm very interested in that idea of these people saying, okay, so on the trip, I see the Jaguar, and what I said was, what are you going to get me? Yeah. And I started laughing. Because you did it and, it, and it, you kind of embraced it and That's then right. go against it with humor, too. Where That's it's right. like you can then What are you going to get me? Yeah. That's, to me, a joke. Yes. And it's beautiful, and it was cathartic, and it was very lovely. I can't even express in the moment how beautiful it was. And there I am going, thank you for the Jaguar. I didn't want a trip, and I never want a trip, to be honest, that's just uh, tits. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It like, can't all be tits. No. It has – the vagina has to menstruate. Yes. Isn't yes. that an interesting lesson? Yes. Oh, that's your favorite thing? It bleeds. Yeah. For what? Ten minutes? Four days. Four or five days and you can't do anything about it. Because that's yeah. what this is. Yeah. Because that's what it's, – it's, it's actually – it's a cycle of it serving you life. It's like doing – That's right. The thing that will make it make the baby, the yeah. reason why it's so attractive and it makes you want to put your dick in it is because it, right. it was tr- trying to make you make it – make a baby. Right. And you didn't do your job. And now You didn't make it a baby, and now it's going to bleed. That's right. (laughs) That's part of life. And then, you know, you take in something like circumcision or whatever, which, you know, I'm kind of on the fence about if we have a boy. If Val and I had a boy, I'm like, I don't know. This seems kind of fucking weird. But it's it's an echo of those ideas that dads take sons into wilderness and kill shit. And leave them out. Or they do the weird initiation rites back in the day where they would just go and take them and put them out on top of a mountain and be like, hope you get back. That's right. <laughs> See ya. But you know, in the fucking weirdest, stupidest way, and I, you know, it's not going on the mountain, but flying to Appleton alone fifty times to do shows, I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. I, I happen to pick a craft that involves a lot of fear and involves a lot of autonomy, and that stuff is. I'm so glad that I had that. That it wasn't just. Not, I love computer programmers. Obviously, I, I even did some programming. I'm just saying I wasn't just in an office or, or in my room or Mr. Roboting it. We've had to go and and really carve our way through a jungle well, in order right. to make it in this in this type of business, specifically comedy. You're kind of just thrown out and have to like hack that's a right. way through. I feel like there's like this weird thing now with like comedy schools and stuff where people kind of believe that there's a hierarchy that you can go and like. Well, I just train hard enough. You UCB, I'm going to be on Saturday Night Live. That's it's like right. this weird thing being like, no, 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 that's not really how it works. That's right. Like you need a part of like my parents cut me off when I was 17. Oh, like wow. not bad, not like like per, like money wise. They're like, no, you go take it. It's like I had a full time job since I was 15. Oh my god, and I literally like. That really fucking helped me. Isn't and, that crazy? And living in the like at the time, I was like, parents want help me pay for anything. And it was like so mad and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I was like, no, it's like great. It actually it made my spine stronger. It taught me that I can't like I had to have a full time job and go to college and do the shit. It's like right. I had to do it, right? But I managed to get everything done, right? Because you worked really hard, right? And then you learn what it feels like to complete. Oh God, we sound like old men, and we are, and that's fine. Did you learn what how uh, the, the it's the value of a dollar? <laughs> that's what it is. You, and then, but then also, I like being scared now. Now I like being scared. I used to hate it, but now it's like there's something about the acting job about like just being dropped off in a city, and I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know what yeah. to do, and I need to figure out what what oh, to, what to do with myself. And, Henry, you just hit it. I remember so vividly 
arriving in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And I've talked about this one because it was one of my first road gigs. And the whole town smells like you ate a loaf of Wonder Bread and farted. <laughs> and I got out and just the, even the smell didn't want me there. And the hotel was terrible. And everything was just bad. And the shows were bad. And looking back and how I wouldn't trade that for anything is was, insane. You just learn so much about yourself. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're just dropped in places. But and then you don't. it's – oh, sorry. I did a movie in New Orleans that was like that during Mardi Gras. Mm. I showed up. So as I was flying to go into New Orleans, my agent calls me and said that the funding for this movie may have fallen out. They are meeting be no movie. Mm. And so I arrive at the production company and they're backing it up. They're mm. literally like being like, we're leaving. We don't know. It's like we actually won't know until ne- – I got in on a Friday. And I was like, we won't know until next Wednesday mm. whether or not we're going to uh, – we're going to make this movie. Mm. And I was like, so what the fuck do I do? And they're like, well, it's Mardi Gras. You have a hotel room on the parade line for the next 10 days. So, uh, Go do Mardi Gras. And so I just did it by myself. I just walked out. I was like, okay. And so I just walked out but the door. But isn't that funny? Yeah. That to me, being social, uh, doing stuff, fuck going after your dreams. That's definitely part of it. But just being social, living is always this affront to fear. Oh, it yeah. Is, uh, it's, it's a materialization of what are you going to get me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to get me? But things like Mardi Gras are frightening. Things oh, yeah, it's like, crazy. Things like going to a city you've never been to are frightening. But the beautiful thing, comedy has a lot to do with, it's almost like for a living we do, what are you going to get me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So what are you going to do? Gonna, what are you going to get me? I dance on top of the, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the thing which is, a, you know, public speaking for the, the entire country is the number one fear. Sure. Like, it's this thing where people get really afraid. And of then just, it's really fun to go, no. No, I like it. Yeah. Actually, the Jaguar like is not going to get me. Do you do that? Do you go, do you just talk to randoms like everywhere? Do you, do you talk to people at the bar? When I'm at my best. Yeah. And what I love about, uh, we're doing the show right now, the one of the, it brings out the best in me is that like, you know, it energizes me. It feels really great to be creative. You want to talk about prana and energy. It's like you're creating yeah. when you're in that creative space and you're just smearing all the paint around. You do really good with that too about leading everybody in bits and stuff. like. That. It's actually oh, really thanks. cool. No, but it's like <laughs> one feel... of those – it's great. It's that thing when we're, when we're sitting on the off time and we're I, – I like that feeling so much more. It's like we, we are constantly joking up until walking into right. to the thing because it keeps the energy going. Right. It keeps it creative. Right. And it doesn't feel competitive. Like I've been – other places and oh, where the, co- the co- uh, comedians are it's like a firing squad of yeah. comedy yeah, 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 yeah. where it's like this is like well how many bad jokes let's tell the story so we're shooting in the West Village <laughs> which was such a dream come true yeah. all week every night I was Very shooting cool. from like 7pm till about 2 in the morning and it was amazing when we were shutting down all these blocks that I used to hand out flyers on and, and my friends are showing up and we're doing these make ups and silly scenes and we, we, when did you get to set? When did we start that shoot? It was probably what? Probably close to eight. I think I got, I got onto set at like 5.30 or something because they always bring you hours early. And then right. we started shooting about like eight. And it's me, you, Aparna, and... Uh, Jermaine. Jermaine, of course. And we're supposed to, you guys are supposed to know each other. Yeah. And this is something Judd and I have talked about a lot, which is whenever there's a TV show and there's comedians bantering, it's very tricky to get it right. Yes. It's not it that has it's, to feel it, like they, they, they actually are bantering. That's right. So we got in a very lucky position where things kept going wrong. Uh, yes. Lights would go out during takes. Oh, man. Would for, I, I forget if it was, would forget lines or whatever it was. Things were going wrong. So uh, it was mostly technical. So we would end up in this tiny holding space in a fake comedy club where if you went in, there was just nothing. Yeah. So we're standing there. And all night, we all kind of set the precedent, which was 
we're just going to do jokes. Yeah. Meaning a lot of bad jokes. Okay. I can't even remember the bad jokes, but we they were, were just being ludicrous. We cool jack. We did cool, cool jerk, jerk for a long right. time. That's a lot of nuts. That's a lot, <laughs> That's of, nuts. A lot of nuts. Yeah. We did that for yeah, many yeah. hours. Just weeping with laughter. Yeah, and it's really fun because you get to just really do it because that's what you do with a bunch of friends. That's you sit right. around, you're talking in a joke concert. And like, Tr- literally almost trying to annoy each other That's right. but also be hilarious but That's be ridiculous right. at the same time if you think it say it was yeah. the motto yeah. I often feel that way when I'm silly I'm like I had to think it you have to hear it which is why when I smoke pot I, I do that it's almost annoying to me I can't stop doing jokes I understand it just comes and Val was like she's always like trying to be like at ease it's okay she's laughing and she's liking it but she thinks I'm trying and to then I recently yeah. yeah and then I, I recently said no, not talking is clenching. Talking is releasing. <laughs> like it was like <laughs> it feels good, and yeah. that's what we were doing. So the technical problems actually helped us bond as a group. Yeah. And then when you guys had to go out because you, you you three actors were supposed to be closer than I was with you, that helped that day and the next day. The next we day did was even better. Like the next yeah. day felt really good, even so much better because then right. I felt like we were actually. Like, I was it, so worried about that scene. It, it was so sad to me too because it's like that thing where it's like we were learning and that that first scene was both so technical and intense that I was just like I hope that it doesn't feel as good as I want it to feel. Yeah. And then the next day really felt. I was like, okay, this is great. This is now we're really playing and we're doing. We shit. hit like a weird, a weird stride. Sometimes I don't know what it is, but I was like, I love the feeling. When the cameras are rolling, because to me, comedy, a lot of people can be funny. And Robert Klein says there's a difference between being funny and, and being funny at 8 o'clock on a Friday. Yeah. Like, hey, you're funny. Be funny at Friday at 8 o'clock. Very different. So when you luck out and on that day when it was kind of raining a little bit and we had to bond on the street, I love that feeling when you're feeling funny. Your brain is almost at a manic level of like jokiness it's and silliness. clicking and clicking and clicking, and, and it's it your feels natural. <laughs> yes, thank God. Right when it comes to you, and you're just like, yes, I feel natural. It's doing right. It feels good, Lord. Yeah. Because I, you know, it's always the thing of me like, man, I'm funny off camera. That's right, man. Oh man, if you just see what I was What's just scary? doing. Yeah. What, what I think, what what doing the TV show so far has taught me is like, I don't think people know. Just how much of the day is spent wondering and doubting if you're funny? Oh, it's mo- most of the day. Most of and the then, day, And then right? you kind of just float on it. Now, what I have learned, the only thing I've learned from my relative, I've only now been really acting and in front of the camera for about like six years. Yeah. So now what I'm doing, a, a lot of it is... is Ease. It's not thinking. So mm. I tried to do it before. I used to really run my lines and really look at it. Really mm. got to do. But now it's the, the A to Z kind of taught me. It's like I would do less preparation, which is sad. Maybe mm. it's bad. But once you get into a rhythm, it's like read the lines, do the thing, and then all of a sudden it's like I can I can kind of step in with ease. That's right, ease. And it's I it's love ease because it. it has because the camera can read the tension. Oh like you can see God. you try. It's yeah. like a fucking like zips at you. Oh. But so you have to do it's little tricks. It's it'll just, find you. It'll find effort. Like nothing. So else. so easy, and then everybody hates effort. And there's nothing funny about trying. No. And, and uh, Jackie Gleason, and I quote it all the time. He said, I'm not good enough to rehearse. Yeah. And I think that's really true. Yeah. I really like part of my thing is I want to look at the scene right before we shoot it. And I want to get out there and just kind of 
let's shoot Fine. rehearsal. Let's feel it. Let, I want it to right. feel alive. That's right. And we, uh, like it's happening right now. That's We're really having the conversation. Of, that's right. It's not for lack of effort. I don't no. want people listening to think like, oh, the key is just to fucking whatever. No, it takes years to get to that's that right. point where it's well, just like you've how long you've been doing comedy. That's it's right. Like, it's like I've, I've been acting in front of a camera for six years. I've been doing comedy for almost 15. That's right. And so it's like now I'm at the point where I still don't understand ease. That's right. It's that that's what acting school was all about. Acting school is about you're going to go pay thirty thousand dollars a year to go be yourself. That's and that, and right. But it's a difficult thing. And to that's find. why they want you to walk around the room like a gorilla. It's because they want you to go be comfortable no matter what you're doing. Whatever it is that you're doing, why go do it. it. And who cares what you do is that you're doing? You one know? of the first acting things I had to do was in Mike Birbiglia's movie, meaning a, a thing that wasn't like overtly funny. It was just kind of me. Yeah, and I was on the phone, phone acting, which is very difficult. Very difficult. Nobody else is on the phone. You're, and then I'm in an elevator full of extras. A background, and I had to like pretend to be on the phone, and then even before we're rolling, I'm pretending this fake conversation just to get into it. It's embarrassing, but then you <laughs> need to like slide into the ease of it, and this is why they have you lie down and pretend you're on a boat, or yeah, because it took so long to get to that gentle ease of, of, of what it is of when it counts. That's right. Of like then it becomes it's now easy. It's easy when it's not my coverage. It's easy when it is my coverage and it's yeah. just going to come out of my mouth and it's going to be and it's going to take a, it takes a while. I, I say this all the time but it's we don't like the abstract painters that couldn't have painted it realistically. Yes, you exactly I mean? because they had to learn the core of how to Remake it right on canvas, if you're and then just, how to explode it right. If you're just breaking the rules, it's it's not as satisfying for some reason as someone who knows the rules and then breaks them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I know my lines, and I know your lines, but it's great to just go like Henry. Just tell this is a Jed thing. This yeah. is something I learned from Jed. Just. In the script, and we work hard on the script. Yeah, I know. And I we, felt so bad because then Judd comes. It was like you guys talking, and then we threw out the script like completely, like right. entirely. And it no, was no, like, no. Damn, it's so. But you know what that is? That is uh, kneeling before a different deity. He's you know great. What I mean? it, it, it's it's pretend. It's giving meaning and sacrament and pain, and it's not coming, but it's sweating over the script yeah. to throw it away to have it sneak back in your riffs. In the intention, it's really in cool. The vibe. Dave Willis was like uh, that was a thing that we we talk we talk about with Murderfest, and then he he came back to it. He was just like nothing's sacred. Mm. He's like my ideas are not sacred, my scripts are not sacred. That's Nothing it. is just like because that's what kills comedy. Like mm-hmm. that's to me what kills. Like that's what kills it being real. That's what kills it being funny. That's right to us and to you specifically. That's right. He's like we have these concepts and we have stuff that we want to get in there, but mostly it's about what is what works. That's right. And so he was like throw it out. But it's, re- it's, it's reverent, and it's lowering your head a little bit. And even when we're – so I wrote that scene, and it's the four of us, and it was written out. And it's this line, and it's this line, is this line, is this line, is this line. And there's 16 lines, and that's the scene. And then you get there, and you throw it away. To me, that is the same thing as uh, – I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a religious ceremony that would be similar, but it's the sort of – oh, a Tibetan sand sculpture. Oh, yeah, where well, you build it just to destroy just it. Just to destroy it. But as you're building it, you're letting it go. But you've but learned the, everything about it. That's right. And the next sand sculpture you make kind of comes a little bit more easily, and it gets into your – it's soul stuff. Yes. It's not brain stuff. It's heart stuff. And you realize that a part of the lesson is is that I can make this again, and I can make it again, and That's I can right. make it again, and it doesn't go away. But it, and just oh. because I got rid of one thing doesn't mean it can't come back. That's and right. It, yeah. It's you know, the most obvious one. It's crucifixion. 
Yeah. It's here's the son of God and here's us bleeding out the son of God. We're going to kill it. Yeah. But then he comes back again. By the way, I know we're talking about our work as if it's Christ and that is the Big definition time. of <laughs> full blown megalo- megalomania. megalomania and but it's it, insanity. But is it not though? Is it not? I like it. I, I like it like, too, you know, but like that this is it's how I'm, important it is to I'm me. I'm just acknowledging the risk and that's what we're saying. Maybe we are failing right now. Yeah. But for better or worse, I've never met a writer that doesn't talk about getting into a trance. That's that's a, those are religious terms. Yeah, you that's, get you know, into a zone. They talk about being a conduit. You've done improv. I've seen you do improv. Where group think, where the group merges into one brain. It's beautiful. It's transcendent. Yeah, it's literally transcendent. It's it is showing the uh, uh, the it's like a weird the psychic nature of the universe and our reality. That's right. And how like we're it, that you can key into it and all of a sudden you're not conscious of what you're doing anymore and, and you're just pumping. But then even that this is why improv will always be better live than it's than it is on uh, television or whatever is that even the audience with their involuntary votes of yes and no with their laugh are affecting the show. So the whole thing, it's like it's raining, but one puddle starts rising up and it's just like a sculpture made out of water and we all get to glimpse at it for a second then it goes away forever. It's cool. That live is always going to be better than me explaining the one time that a guy came out and I don't know how he knew to be Newt Gingrich and I don't know how his partner knew to say Newt, but (laughs) did it not bring the house down and then the lights went off and the show was over. It's crazy. Isn't that fun? Yeah, I, I really like it. But this is, it's all fucking, it's all, it's all one. Yes, you know it I'm just saying? takes a lot of effort and sweat and yeah. stuff to get to, again, to that ease of all the work you, take, you spend to do. And it's like, so, again, just, you know, it, it's not just fucking around. There's something about it. There's, like, thought behind it That's and right. intention behind it. But even, you know, people that don't improvise, the the going up to somebody to ask them out, you know what I'm saying, just in regular life. Living your life. That beautiful... I, the, going up to failure, going up to the Jaguar that could, and saying, what are you going to get me? What are you going to say? No. What, what, what is it going to be? What am I going to embarrass myself? Yeah. Having the courage to say, I don't know what that term means or what that word means, or I don't know how to do what you just asked me to do at work or whatever it is. There are all these. So the re, I'm trying to be inclusive here. You don't have to be a comedian and you don't have to be an artist, a quote unquote, full-time professional artist to be in that creative space. Every moment, every meal, every elevator ride is an opportunity to create and say yes uh, to that and no to being afraid. Yeah, and just and just jumping in. I know a lot of people in life that are like, my friend Byron's kind of like that. He's just one of those guys. Byron who, Allen? Uh, Byron Allen. God, he's so brave. He's always throwing you to bits. <laughs> I love him. I love him. We hardly speak anymore because of what he's done to me. But My, Byron did what now? He's a, he's a lumberjack in Kansas, but he's like an Englishman. He's just one of these guys who just right. like lives life. He's, you know, like doesn't wear shoes. Mm. Yeah, I don't think everybody can do that, mm-hmm. but he does it. That's right. And he really lives life. Uh, what did, I think it's Kabir says, I want to sing as the bird sings without... Regard to how it sounds or who's listening. Yeah, that's yeah. You just li- you just have a good. Th- I know guys like that. They're just kind of like just live and they're in the moment and yeah. just got to do the those same people shit. exhaust me. It's hard. It's scary. And if I scary. hang out with one for about a couple hours, and you know, on this podcast, I think oftentimes our best selves come out, and that's that's nice. Yeah, that's one of the virtues of recording and releasing it. But that's not to say that you know I was shooting all week and this weekend I've done almost nothing except take Brody for two like very long walks. That's, that's great kind of though. All I do. I love it. 
So I just want people to know that even though we can applaud these people, I don't necessarily always feel like one. I'd be exhausted. That's right. And if that's, I live, no, today when I leave here, I'm going to be nude that's and lay on my couch. Henry, and I'm watch. already wearing sweatpants. I'm so jealous. Look of at you. the stains on the shirt. I, I came to you, and I see this. You're set here. I see this. There's the yeah. whole of you oh, shaped into the couch. Too. Yeah, that's a that's a Pete size hole. That is a Pete. <laughs> that's a Pete layer. I'm so jealous of you. Yeah, we got. I got too drunk. Yeah. And I'm ready to this be morning? dead. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> I woke up. I was driving. I had to really just fucking loosen up. Uh, I, I just, you know, I think people would like – some people would like to know that even though we're aware of this potential – that's why I bring you back to the, the set. On the set with friends, obviously, making your thing, the thing that's so delicious about it is that you're not afraid at all. And that's, I think, underneath what a lot of people, if they're like, I want to make my own business or I want to uh, write a book or whatever it is, they're trying to create this nice little niche where they're not afraid. Yeah. It's about doing something you actually really like. That too. You know, like, because I think that's where the fear then goes away. Because then if you really like the process and you really like what Mm -hmm. you're doing and all Mm -hmm. stuff, then you don't have to worry about But then you're talking to the other actors. You're talking to the extras. You're talking to the director. And you're in the – it's not a bubble. When we were shooting on the street, uh, weirdos would come up and say hello. That's great. While we're rolling on film. And it was nice to be like, hey – you know, yeah, even break character and be like, "Hi, I just love it. You I can't I mean? stop doing. It. I'm just. I love. I love being on set. I yeah. love it so. Much. It's just my my favorite. But I'm I'm the best. Me, my girlfriend and I talk about it all the time. It's just like she's. You know, she's also uh, performs just stunts. And it's like there's just something about being on set where it's just like I'm just. That's the best version of me. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, and I finally did the thing where I'm there, and I'm like, oh, I'm not standing here quietly thinking. I wish this felt differently. I'm at that place where I'm like, no, this is what I thought it would be, and this feels really nice. Yeah. I wish I could tell you something more existential and kind of like wor- uh, worthwhile. Like, and no, it's still just... so empty. No, you come home. No, it's cool as shit. It's cool have a great shit. time. It's, great. It's, it's a blast. And then... But it's the same thing as like uh, my friend Rob Bell would like have these weekend retreats with like his groups of teenagers and stuff. And it would be just being silly and creating and music and art and all this stuff. It doesn't have to be fancy pants show business. No. That's why summer camp is so gorgeous. That's why unexpected sleepovers are so gorgeous. Snow days. These things exist where we can, like your Satanists, choose to give something meaning and choose to say, by this poll, we are merry. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is our like. This is we are choosing this experience. These motherfuckers that we're surrounded by say no. It's coke. Yeah, (laughs) it's not that. It's sprite. Yeah, it's like no. That's what they because they're so desperate of. uh, Well, that's what I get conspiratorial with this idea of being like they're going to have a really hard time controlling a populace that is living their <laughs> dreams yeah, sure. and like and and understand their endless potential mm. and know how to and change see their reality as the ball and with the arrows and everything. Yeah, you can't control those people. That's right. Like that's very difficult. I know to do with a guy who wants a can of coke. I sell him a can of coke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? That's what he's wanting to do. I'm going to make the coke symbolize that's right. what you're saying peace yeah. and like happiness. That's right. So then he doesn't have to worry about looking for it other places. That's right. It's like now I'm going to make I'm going to put it here so it's like so you don't have to Go celebrate yourself or learn about yourself or learn about society. Just drink this. What I find fascinating about the satanic or the pagan maypole or, you know, the pole that you guys have, 
that I don't have one. My, have, my apartment is very small. Uh, That's a problem. I wish uh, the low ceilings. Yeah. Richard Rohr, again, coming up again, coming in hot, talks about how uh, kind of bold people get with love. And they're like, I love Julie. And he's like, before you try to love Julie, try to love a stone. Like literally try as an exercise to give something like that meaning. Children do it with That's their blankets cool. and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I try and do it. People know I talk about this with trees. Like you can really – I know it sounds very hippie because it is. You can really start to love and appreciate a tree. It's better than you saying, fuck this tree. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I, I like that you But like it's also tree. training wheels to loving something as complex and infinite as Valerie. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. So I, I think what's so great about a pole – whatever tradition you're exploring, saying this pole, which is not, it was sold to somebody once. Yeah. I'll give you that, unless you made your own pole. But just like two friends over coffee can decide to give that exchange, just like this podcast can be sacred to you and I. Yeah. It's like it, 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 you're meaning, we're putting meaning into it, and there's a thing that we really – our emotion is, is put into it and trapped into it. That's right. It can be viewed as a very special moment. That's it's right. It's like those things – and then the, you can have that now. Now that's yours. And it's free. Yeah, and it's free because you just did it. But when people say, oh, the best things in life are free, and then what? Can you, can you help me with that? Yeah. And I think it's about agreeing. Improv has a lot of that. Agreeing, yielding, bowing. To a thing, to your dog, to a stone, to a tree, to a person, to a moment, you can manufacture more sacredness just like that if you practice at it than all the coke in the world ever will. When your life becomes that much more full and rich when you do it too. When, when you have something that really to, to fill it with, you don't realize that like it's up to you to fill your own life with that kind yeah. of stuff where yeah. it's like all of a sudden my life can be very full because I have a lot of things that mean things symbolically to me. That's right. But, and it's like, it's like dumb shit where it's like I keep – like flyers from my like the years of doing comedy. I have like weird little memorabilia things that yeah. I have that I've yeah. taken from forever. My house looks insane because I have like stuff everywhere. But it's like uh, I may be a little bit too into stuff, but it's stuff being like this is a stub from the night that when Wolf of Wall Street premiered. Mm. This is one of the last things from the Zigfield because they're closing that theater. Being like this is an official ticket from that. There's mm. a part of it's like my history and it's like, and it's big and it may sit There's in a drawer right now. That's it. But at one point I will. Bore or a grandchild looking through this to be like, look at my shit. I lived a life. I have all of this proof. I have proof. That's I don't right. need it technically, but but it's symbols. Uh, symbols transform humanity. Yeah, that, that's that's something again. Richard Rohr said, which I thought was very. Are we at ninety? Something that's very interesting to me is. The idea of giving things meaning and if you, is power. Have you ever been to the Hearst Mansion? No. There's certain places. So we we just drove from Los Angeles to San Francisco, and we went to places. Um, we went to Hearst Mansion. We went to the Winchester House. The Winchester House is famously uh, haunted house mm. uh, done by a woman named Sarah oh, Winchester. Yeah, the, she built the staircases to nothing. Yes, and where you, is that? It, that's in San Jose, uh-huh. and it's very chilling. Mm. It's but it's interesting. But she built this house as like a testament to her own sorrow, and then Hearst Mansion is this 
fucking castle, the Hearst Castle. It's huge, and it's a testament to his ego. And going in there, and we're like, there's something about spaces that reflect somebody's personality yeah, yeah. that is makes it filled with energy, and, in, and yes. it's like a place now. Yes, yes. And we want to do the same thing to our house. I like do the thing being like, this will be a place that you go in there and be like, I'm going to haunt this house. Ah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I want a house so nice, I'll haunt it. Yeah, I will haunt it. I love that so much. Well, that's Frank, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. Really? Well, if you've ever toured a Frank Lloyd Wright house, he's, uh, you know, get a tour, I would recommend. Don't just walk around. Although there's a value to that, too, your own interpretation. Can we just live in a Frank Lloyd Wright house anymore? Or Some do- people do. Yeah. Some people do. I'm pretty sure you can, you can buy them, but most, a lot of them are museums. But there are rooms, I'll never forget, where it's like you have to ba- duck down to go through a small door, and then there's a tiny hallway, and then it opens into this playroom in the attic. And... It makes you feel small, no matter. So you bow almost like a vaginal canal, and then you're born into this room where there's toys and light and playing. And even if you're six foot six as I am, the ceiling is peaked and you feel like a child. And that motherfucker was like, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Look at that. Yeah, now gotcha. you're into it. I got you this exactly. whole thing. And I'll take you to the dining room, and that's going to make you feel communal. And I'll take you to my study, and that's going to make you feel like you're a wizard looking at old parchment while you puff on a pipe. That's so cool. That's what I want. That's what it is. These that's are symbols. That's what your ticket stubs are. And that's what, uh, you know, whatever memorabilia you have, it doesn't have to be silliness. But again, I, just to drive this point home again, we've, we've been um, co-opted by other things that say that fun time you had at the beach was brought to us by Pepsi. Yeah. When really, it could have been brought to you by a number of things. It could have been brought to you by Stephanie's nipple. Yeah, and it, it was it definitely probably was. But I Isn't think- that a better place to put your own homage and put your to- love onto Stephanie's nipple? Yeah. A free thing? Yeah, <laughs> a wonderful, thing. a wonderful free thing. We are. They would like. They like to take our sanctity from us. They realized what it is, and they realized how to take it. Yep. and how to sell it back to us and, it, and convince us otherwise. It's like giving like, bees high fructose corn syrup, which we do. Yeah, instead of sugar, instead of real the stuff that they need to make honey, and the honey fucking sucks. And a lot of people are making this rancid fucking bullshit honey because they don't because they don't understand that the input is this makes the output. That's right. And it's about your life, and it's like what what we could do. I mean, you know, like when we see when when we have the Donald Trump. Um, becomes president and there are evil carnivals in the center of every city from now on like something <laughs> wicked this way comes we'll see how, how things are because maybe people will live their true potential of seeing the fact that Trump can do it right and you'd be like if he can do it I can do it almost Interesting. like Michael Jordan <laughs> but for assholes <laughs> but for, but for assholes. Other, other types of assholes I suppose <laughs> you know I look at that too though and Trump being that swirl of evil yeah in yeah. the, I always picture, I've said this before, but a swarm of golden bees, and then there's just a swarm of black bees, like dark colored bees. They, they're in the thing. They're in the thing. They're yeah. mixing up in it, and here's Trump, and we get this sort of crazy puppet. Yeah, I just hope that I could be a part of the team of people that are building the weird cartoonish train carts like the Penguin used to steal children and Batman Returns. Yeah. Because that's what most transportation will be when Trump is president. Uh, a weird cartoon hellscape. I, we made the mistake of saying he couldn't possibly be the candidate. We did. But we're not. We're just not. We're not going to make the mistake. It's authoritarianism. I was just uh, that thing. Strong, uh, powerful, seeming. Ignorantly men. confident. Yeah. Pursed lips. Yeah. Wants to fuck his own daughter. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. you know how a they lot find of qualities authoritarians. I just watched this video; it was very interesting about it. They were like, they can't. You can't pull somebody about politics to find out if they're authoritarian, meaning afraid of other races. You know, xenophobic. Uh, Islamophobic all, and afraid of everything and uh, drawn towards like decisive animals. <laughs> yeah. But you can qu- uh, sur- survey them about parenting. And it, the questions will be like, is obedience or curiosity more important for your children? And the ones that say obedience and the ones that say like this, the rules are better, this, blah, 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 are the ones that very consistently with white people, they said, those are the ones that are voting for Trump, which I thought was very interesting. God, that's like sends a chill up my spine. You As really just want obedience for yeah. your child? Like, what is this? Like David Copperfield? Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, you're going to put kids in little prisons? But you know what's funny? Work camps? I think about those parents and I think about those kids of the parents that are circling obedience and the ones that are filling out that form completely wrong in my view. Yeah. I think of these parents like Rob Bell who are just gorgeous like we're taking our kid out of high school because he wants to be in a band and he's amazing. It's sort like, of unbelievable angelic presences on earth. And then I think about the Trump kids and I'm like – Imagine the art some of them will make. <laughs> They'll be very good. Like that's the thing. Is that like Ooh, we're going to get a bunch of great comedians very soon? Because yeah. would you and I be talking right now if we weren't fat and afraid that our dicks were sending us to hell? I, I, I don't know. I actually don't think so. Right. Or my parents are or like you know constantly punished for being a loudmouth. Like just constantly. Oh, is that right? oh yeah, that was that was the thing. The uh, the you know the behavior grades. Mm. I was I had parent teacher conference every time because they just couldn't shut up, mm. and so then they worked into I did ten minutes of stand up at the end of class. I would go in and talk. Shut up! I did a thing where I would just talk at the class where they would just make me talk, and they'd get it up so I'd have to sit silently, and then I could stand up and talk at the end of it. My fourth grade teacher did that for me. Oh my god! Yeah, and then but uh, since that then, is amazing. Yeah, but I was just. Yeah, and then now I can. I went back and I told my high school teacher. I was like, "You remember how you said like I wasn't going to be good at anything?" My biology yeah. teacher was just being like, "I get paid to do it now." Yeah, 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 yeah. Beautiful. It's really nice. beautiful. That it is interesting that sometimes, like your fourth grade teacher realizes that, like when I'm high and I go, "No, clenching is not speaking. Releasing is speaking." Yeah, and realizing that sometimes you just need that space to put it. That's all it is because there's right. constructive and I like I remember I had a philosophy teacher in high school that was really interesting. He when I was 18 I was going to graduate and he was just like so what are you going to do? He's just like uh, I was like oh I'm going to Florida State and he's like why are you going to college? Mm. And I was like well because you know that's what people do and he's like no you want to be an actor you should just go to New York City. He's like you should literally just go and start wow. sweeping floors and technically he was right because now yeah. like I had to go talk at Florida State I went and I talked a little bit to a couple of acting students and I literally was like my advice is for you to drop out and to move to Los That's Angeles right. yeah. and like move to New York don't be here this right. is Tallahassee Florida right. get the fuck out of here right, right, like right. you got to go to where the stuff's being made forget the fact that youth is like such an interesting commodity I, I know here I am packaging a person like a coke but I'm just saying when you're casting those young parts. You're like really happy. Even you, you know, you're 32, and I cast you as like a 25 year old. I get that a lot. That's yeah, good. But then I get a bunch of different stuff. But it's more like the experience of it, of like, you right. just need to, like, if, if you're sure that this is what you want to do, it's like, go fucking jump into it that's because right. that's how people get the experience well, that they need. That's Rob telling his son, you should. I don't know if he's actually not going to go to school anymore, but I know Rob is the type of dad that was like, I can tell that you're passionate about this. I can tell that you're constantly practicing and you're in three bands. Let's let's do that. 
Go do it. Don't go to college. I, again, I, I'm not speaking. That might not be literal. I can't speak for Rob, but I'm just saying he's the kind of dad that would do that sort of thing. Because what son. do you even need anymore unless you're going to go into the computer sciences or something that's really technical or that's specifically right. academic? That's it's right. like you don't – I mean like that's fucking horrible to say. Probably bad advice, but you don't technically need a college degree anymore. It's right. just like we're all getting – we're all not getting jobs anyway. That's right. So you might as well be living your that's fucking funny. dream. Or you know what I did that I think was kind of – I wish I could take credit and think I knew that I was doing this. I didn't. But I went to a school that was easy enough and boring enough that all I could do was make my own shit. Oh, yeah. Florida State <laughs> taught me. It was like we, we learned from Florida State is about how you – if you have to make it on your own. Yeah. And because we got like – you know, there are a couple of members of Murderfist because we started Murderfist at Florida State. Oh, I and didn't a couple, know that. Yeah, we've been there. Together. You go. That's nice. Yeah, we've been, that was, was was awesome. That was yeah. the boy I will never take back going to college because right, right, right. I met my comedy partner. That's partners. where I started an improv team, and that's where I first started getting comments like, "Well, he's very talented." Well, you know what to do exactly. <laughs> I got the validation I needed. I, got, I remember it was one time somebody, my director Dan Buck was very kind, but then one time we did a show, and he was like we were very close to Salem, Massachusetts, and he went, "The guy that runs the haunted house in Salem." said, obviously, you're very talented. And that was the biggest thing in the world to me. And I was like, I think that I'm going to move to Chicago. And I think I can do this thing. I think I can do this thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's getting – you need that stuff. You need those little moments. But it wasn't about – there were a couple courses that I was glad I took, but the rest of it was horseshit. And it was me learning how to skate by. And I'm proud of it. That's because most of life, for me, has been skating by. Yeah. I want to figure out the least amount of effort I have to put in this bullshit required – uh, lab course, you know, just like a science, a laboratory science. And How I'm do like, we get through this? I'm going to read the introduction to the textbook, realize that it's the question you asked us in the essay, and I'm going to plagiarize, maybe not word for word, but I'm going to take the essence of the introduction of this bullshit book, put it in a paper, and fuck yourself. Give me a B. Just give me a B. All I need is a B. Yeah. All I need is a C. Get me out of here. Yeah, I just got to keep moving. Get me out of here. I, I was so bad in school. Well, I went to a thing called the International Baccalaureate in high school. I went to the IB program, which is a Heavy, heavy, heavy academic uh, program that well, I just did very bad in it. <laughs> Why and were you in it? I, well, I was very, um, I was very smart, and then at some point when I chose comedy, obviously, when my bones and brain chose comedy for Your butter me, butter bones, yeah, my butter bones. <laughs> give me that butter bone. Uh, give me them butter bones. <laughs> I can't wait to hear that. That's not my last thing I hear. Fucking my bones are smashed oh. by a fucking t- t- truck driver and oh. a fucking 405. Give me them butter bones. Give me them butter bones. <laughs> I should never have said that on that podcast. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, but he, you know, I uh, just, I, I went to the highly accelerated uh, academic program and I managed to. Um, <laughs> He's dreaming. Oh, your dog is dreaming. That's the cutest like a dripping, thing. dripping faucet. He will wake up if I say Brody, which is weird. He's so cute. That is a cute dog, though. Um, but no, uh, you. So I got to test out of a bunch of academic stuff. So in college, I had almost no academic classes, yeah. and I was going to Florida State, so it was all acting classes. And then everything else I took, I just kind of flubbed. Yeah. Uh, but then the, the flubbing taught me how to do the credit card fraud I needed to do in order to make it as an actor. You did credit card fraud. Well, what I did was I would <laughs> I would just get credit cards and max them out, and then just not pay them. Interesting. Because I had no money. And what happened with that? You know what's funny? Not much. They try to they try to scare you because that's why I got in conversation with a creditor, and I was like, "So what happens if I don't give you money?" They're like, well, you got to give us money, and I was like, "But like the the Con Ed like shuts off my gas and like phones shit shut off yeah, yeah, if yeah. I don't pay that bill. What do you guys do if you if I don't pay you?" And he's like, "You've got to 
pay it. And I was just like, oh, wow. And I was like, freedom. Oh, for, and but they then, didn't say, like, you'll have terrible credit and you'll well, never yeah, buy Well, that's obvious. <laughs> that's obvious. But at the time, I was just like 23. Yeah, I didn't cares? understand what was happening. Yeah, I didn't yeah. understand my future. Now I'm paying for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 32-year-old Henry's dealing with a lot of the bullshit <laughs> that 23-year-old Henry did. Well, and you so, moved to New York and you went at it so hard that you committed fraud to stay, stay in your dream. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. And then got, yeah. Then she did whatever. What was your first break? I don't... Because you Kamel, clearly... Uh, Michael Michael. Michael and Michael. That was my first job in show business. Amazing. Yeah, he did. He, like, he recommended me for that, and it worked out. That was my first job. And then the, I had gotten a, a manager before that. It was just a guy that had known me. Uh, he saw me do sketch, and he picked up Murder Fist. He managed Murder Fist. Mm. I booked that job, and it was just one of those. And then I did my first pilot season, and I just I booked that. I had booked a couple of little like like a Law and Order job, and like like little acting jobs. And then I booked a uh, pilot with Lauren Michaels, um, and that kind of. And then I auditioned for SNL, and that kind of changed all that mm-hmm. shit. But you know what's funny about you and the Murder Fist boys, many of whom I've worked with and will continue to work with whenever we have a part where we're like, oh, it's a Murder Fist kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Is that you found who you are. You surrounded yourself with five or how many guys? We're now, we, we got to eight. Eight. You surrounded yourself with seven other guys. Similar. You're yeah. all unique. I'm not saying that. But similar vibe. And our, our voice has become even more similar. You know, and yeah. it's abs- dark, absurd, gross, vulgar. Like that it's like guys a- that commit. Yes, you know, heavily committed, sweaty comedy, the sweaty. very intense comedy, heavy right. metal comedy. Yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. called a lot. And then you know, now being on the casting side of things for the first time in my life, when you go like, well, who could do this or this? And the number of times Orin and I are like, well, one of the Murder Fist guys can do it. It's really interesting. We we but are still relevant. Yourself with that, you know what I mean? Like we just we it's all that weird thing of back in the day. You know, sketch groups used to be your friends. Yeah, and not, it used to not be like house teams. It used to be like the people that, that you joked apart. around. With. Yeah, yeah, we did go like we. It's did, like groups of. Fe- this is a stereotype, but it's a Sex in the City joke. But it's like it's not just the friends that you have waiting until you get married. Yeah, it's, not, it's just it's not just that. No, it's like it, a thing. There's it's a my bond. family. It's like right. this thing that's like been forever, and so it's like we'll work together forever. Right. Like whether whatever happens You're with like this a sketch weird group, cave murders. group of gnomes and yes. dwarves. Yeah, some swords. gross, the, the smelly, drunk. But people are really cleaning up. Yeah, no, Ed I'm cut not. his hair. <laughs> Couldn't believe he cut. He had three foot. He had hair past yeah. his like his yeah. fucking down to his ass, and he finally cut it. Wow, he looks like a debt collector. Oh my now. god, that's like when Metallica cut their yes. I was the one guy that was like, good for them. I like it. I like it. Oh, it's it. clean. Yeah, yeah. It's cleaner. Yeah. Sounds the same. <laughs> Doesn't change the sound. What is the hair damp in the sound? Come on, guys. <laughs> They're not solos. But, uh, and, then, and then how did Wolf of Wall I, I feel like would be remiss if we didn't talk about Wolf of Wall Street. By the way, I should have Brian Sack on. He's in L.A. now. He's the best. Is and he yeah, a, and he's, he's doing, he's do, yes, he's in L.A. And he's doing Shit. Wrecked. You should oh, have him fun. on, though. He's no, great. No, I love Brian. He was amazing, and Brian Sacco was one of the guys that right after my divorce, super fresh, and Brian and I weren't even like that close. We shared an office together, the comedy office. Yeah. He was the guy that like took me to look at apartments and then would take me to a sad lunch, and he was the first person that went, I was just getting divorced, and he was like, you know, man, it'll be a, good, it'll be a great one-man show. That's not a bad. That's, that's not a, a bad really good Brian, Brian, Brian impression. Yeah, not a bad Brian. Sack. I'll be a good one. I'll be a good First one. First try, and here I am. It's like fifteen years later, or ten years later since then, making the one man show TV show. 
about that time. It finally did it. it yeah, have him. Out. You should have him on. Absolutely, talk about that. we should talk. He well, helped he's me just a, lot. a sweetheart. He was yeah. amazing. He was really good. To I also me. remember like, asking him. I was like, "What happens if you?" Because I had only ever seen my wife's vagina. I was like, "What happens if you like see a weird one?" And he goes, "It almost never happens." <laughs> That's so I just, funny. I just was like a, a teenage girl being like, what if you see a weird dick? I, I had the same thing about vaginas. That's so funny. Uh, but you were saying, oh, you were saying Wolf of Wall Street, but if you had something else about Brian, I don't know. No, was, yeah, we just had a great time. Wolf of Wall Street was I just I auditioned for that too, and I, I was told that I was going to get it if I moved the pilot of my talk show, and I couldn't do it. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I... Uh, it, it wasn't guaranteed. They never showed the tape to Marty because I was unavailable. But they were like, I think it would have been one of those parts where you're like. You pr- probably been one of us. I might have been there, but then I don't know if I would have made it. Because I watched that movie and I'm always like, there's Barry. And yeah, it's just like, yeah, and he got cut. Like, that was just, that's that one of those where he right. was just one extra. But they made up that part for him. That oh, really? part did not exist. And then we Middleditch. Were, yeah, Middleditch had the one scene. It was like, but that was scripted. Our, mm. They just hired the room of us. Mm. That was one of the most. <laughs> Surreal things ever where I walked into the hotel room with Scorsese. Mm. We did a group improv. He's like, all right, we'll, get, we'll hire all of them. And I was like, oh, that's bullshit. That's not going to be anything. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Wait, but then you're one of the guys like in a, like a four-handed scene. Yeah. So that, that was not in a script. We all just improv. It was two uh, improv editions. Really? I did an improv monologue on the phone. And then I did it. I and did then one, it, too. Yeah. And that was I it. I did one, too. It's fun. And I was like, I, was, I, made, I kept making modern references. And but I was it, like, I'm looking out the window at a McDonald's right now. You want to look at a McDonald's for the rest of your life or whatever? And they were like, I, it wasn't McDonald's, obviously. But yeah. It was like, that wouldn't have existed. I made some joke about like curbs. But it was like where something. you were, right? Yeah. And you were like <laughs> doing anything. It doesn't – what I liked about that show because my agency didn't want to put me in because they're like, well, you doesn't look like a stockbroker. Uh-huh. I mean then I didn't realize until we go and be like, the oh, point. no, no, no. Yeah, the, the point, point was that we're a bunch of losers. There's yeah, a bunch yeah, of like yeah, dumpy yeah. losers yeah, that yeah, become yeah. millionaires. right, right. right. <laughs> And I was like, oh, cool. When I read the character description, which was originally was called Penguin, I believe. The, and the script was called Penguin? Yeah, I was called Penguin. Oh, you were called Penguin. And the character was described as a fat man with short arms and legs. Ah. It's like, I'm your guy. Ah. It's got to be me. <laughs> Either you or CeeLo. That's it. I mean, they're both the only other two people shaped like uh, Dr. Robotnik. Like, you don't have those, those baby arms. I got normal arms. I'm you tall, the tiny Mi- all the time. You could do the Michelangelo drawing. I bet you're very symmetrical. I think hmm. you're a gorgeous man. That is very sweet. <laughs> That's very sweet of you to say. But uh, I don't know, man. Do we want to throw the audience a bone? I'm sure they'd love to hear a story about the set. And I mean, I actually because I, I did. I've told told a couple stories. I remember there was a story. I mean, uh, Di- DiCaprio is hilarious. Movie, by the way, I, I've I, seen it 15 times. I love it. Yeah. I really think even being in it after watching it's like it's yeah. really entertaining. Um, did you have to sell someone a pen? Yes, I had to do that. I can't do it. We did that for uh, a th- for one of the monologues. Was thing. I mean, the craziest shit in that movie was filming the orgies. we filming the orgies. I think there was a, there's one story I'll tell you. So there was a thing. We were in the airplane. We were doing the airplane orgy, which is like 15 hours of nudity. Mm. Of everybody's nude. The women are just now hanging out nude. Everybody's just like, and it are smells like animal? bodies. I was not. I was wearing fe- panties. Uh-huh. I was wearing like female underwear. Oh, that was part of it. Yes, that was what we were doing. But I'm sitting here in a robe. That place just smelled like sex. Like sex. Yeah. And it was very weird. So there was a girl, it was very eager. Uh, like uh, she was with me, and she was a very sweet, 
southern girl who's like, I was 23. I'm t- I ran away from home to be in Playboy magazine, and my parents won't have me back. And it's like they all, she's like this horrible Aww. story. We're just sitting there, like, really, and she's very sweet. Like, it was very erotically charged. It was this thing where she was, like, riding me. She was like, with another girl, and they kept making out, but then, like, they wouldn't stop when they said cut, and then she was just like, it's just too fucking hot. It's too hot to stop. And it's, like, very strange. Like, one of those things, too. And then I'd have to, like, also then, at I the time... I wish people could see my face right now. <laughs> when I went home that night, like, because think about this. It's like, I had a, my ex at the time. I'd come back to the apartment. Your current girl. Yeah, no, my ex-girlfriend oh. from my... I my current girlfriend, my, my ex-girlfriend I was living with. I went to. Why were you living with your ex girlfriend? I wasn't. That who was my current girlfriend uh-huh. at the time? At the time, your girlfriend. Yeah, but you have to come back to the place, and she's like, "What do you smell like?" Yeah, and you can't say like. Let me put, smell your dick. Pretty much, I just reek <laughs> of pussy juice. Yeah. And so, when I literally uh, went, there was this. So this and that girl was your job. Yeah, that was my job. Yeah, I was like, and I'd be like, "This is my job." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a part where we were supposed you put to put your indignant pointing finger into a <laughs> vagina. <laughs> <laughs> this is my job. How dare you? This takes a lot of concentration. Why are you moving in and out? I was so we had to do this thing where there was turbulence, right? And so we were doing these slow motion shots where the plane would would hit, and we did this for hours. And so we did this thing. It was kind of haphazardly. They took a chair, an airplane chair, and they they centered it in the middle of the set. And we were supposed to do this thing where we were bucking up against this chair, and this girl had worked her way to the front. Right, and she was like being very aggressive. You mean she, as an actor? She, as an actor, yeah. she like worked her way to the front of the chicks, and they're all like literally like all all of the women are like fighting with each other to get in and front. It's, it's really intense. Mm. And we're like, okay, finally, the, we we go and we accidentally push the chair up. And the chair comes down and slams on her toe, and we see it, and it's one of the worst things. Like, blood shoots out of it. Her nail goes completely up, you know, like her fucks up her foot. And she's like, ah, ah. And then they stop, right? And they're like, so we're going to take you off. We're going to say, it's like, okay. And they look, the medic comes, and she's screaming. And finally, they're like, we're, and she's totally nude. And then it's like, we got to take you off set. We got to take you to the hospital. And she grabs the guy in a tone of voice that I've never heard come out of a human's body before, grabs and be like, don't you take me out of the movie. Like, scream at him. And she's like, I gotta be in the movie. Like, and it was crazy. Oh. And then they like, you have to go. Because it's like, literally, like, she shot blood all over the legs of these two other, like, but they don't oh. care. They're like, standing and still doing it. And be like, I'll move into her spot. Like, she could have been oh. torn apart by dogs. Oh. And they would have been like, I'll go there. I'm going to do oh it. Oh, my God. And they, like, took her off. And then I went outside. And so they abandoned her. I'm assuming screaming. Food. Not They're because screaming. of the pain. Just like, no. No, no. Like, literally, no. She left. They're like, don't worry. You'll be in the movie. And then I come outside. It's just one of those sad things. So we're going to go back to the van to go leave. And she's, like, wrapped up in a, in a bath towel, like, sitting on the stoop. And I was like, do you have a place to go? Like, are you all right? And she's like, it's okay. I'm living with six Italian men in the Lower East Side right now. <laughs> Just doing thing. I was like, damn. Like, that's a level of oh. hunger. That's like she was trying to, this was her mark. Whoa. That's Snickers level. That's uh, Snickers level. <laughs> there's a hunger inside you. That's a sad story, though. Yeah. Did she make the movie? Is she in the movie? She's riding me in the airplane scene. Oh, it's that same woman. Yeah. 
OMG. She's very sweet, though. So she's in the movie. She did make the movie. Good. But they cut all the other turbulence parts out because in the end, the movie was really the movie was going to be uh, X. It was going to be NC-17. Right. And they had to cut some of the nudity. Uh, because it's like just the, the, idea, the level of nudity yeah. was insane. And also the casualty of being like, you're going to take off your clothes. You're going to take off your clothes. Like the AD would come in and point to girls. And then we're like, if a girl was like, actually, like, I, I, I don't really feel comfortable taking off your clothes. And she's like, well, then she'll take off her clothes. Clothes, and we're going to put her in your spot and literally be like, and so it wow. was crazy. It that, got crazy in there. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it's just. It like, got crazy in there. <laughs> it's very like it was an experience. Yeah, because it was. It felt like it. It felt like the time we would go to clubs and shit at night. Like, and they all these like every. It was it was a, a nutty time. What do you mean? You go to clubs. We to went like, to like to hang out. Because like, did oh, the movie start to rub off on you? Pretty much. Like it became this thing where we're like we want to live the lifestyle. We're in a Scorsese movie, and so it's like. And also, but at the time, I was like, I was so broke. Yeah. And so people are like, they're all living a life, but it's like I hadn't gotten a check yet, and so wow. we're going to like One Oak, and it's like twenty four dollars for a gin and tonic, and I can't afford it, and I'm mm. like literally like doing so. So they're going crazy and surrounded by girls, and we have like a table and like bottle service and all this stuff's happening and I'm just like a dumpy like I'm like 40 pounds heavier I don't have club clothes like I'm just like this so like a jeans and a t-shirt like in like everybody's in shiny clothes yeah god it was weird that was intense but then by by month seven we went over two months and we'd all gotten this mysterious illness where our eyes were just bloodshot and we all had like dry, raspy coughs. It was very weird. By the end, the whole cr- uh, all the main of us were like sick. We got really, really sick with some mysterious illness. Wow. Well, that's the hand of God. Yeah. Punished. <laughs> you were having too much fun? Having too much fun. But yeah, like that. That was it. Was a cool time. That is a cool time. So in a scene, like for example, where the muscly guy with the mustache, yes, John Berthal. Uh huh. He. Oh goes, no, Ethan. Sa- Ethan Supley. Which one? Not Ethan Supley. Okay. The muscly guy. Not that Ethan isn't muscly. He, he looked, is, but he, he was very large, right. very big, strong man. Big, 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 strong guy. Big, big, big. Uh, the guy that goes, sell me this pen, and he goes, write down your name. I can't supply and demand. Yeah. Was that a riff? And then someone is keeping track of the riffs and goes, okay, do Henry's riff and then do this riff. And we, then Ethan, clo- uh, or I'm sorry, that guy closed with that one because that's a good ending. It was like that. That's pretty much just like we went, we we rehearsed it. We had a series of improv rehearsals before the movie even started. That people are transcribing and it remembering. It was and- the most surreal thing because I felt like writing sketch, but it was like a, all of us, all the main dudes, John Bernthal, Jonah, Leo, and Scorsese, and uh, we would sit in a room and scenes, it's like, I tossed in the uh, the little person bowling thing because my dad used to do that. Like that was like a concept. That's the opening of the movie. Yeah, no, the 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 concept was. But when we were talking about the bowling part of it, it's yeah. just like my dad used to do that as a cop. They used to have like midget bowling. They would, right, they, they would call they, that. Yeah, they sure. would call that. Sure, and. So it's like things were all being thrown into the pot. And yeah. so then we got the script and then we redid the script. And then before we would do it, we'd like we would before shooting. Leo was really good with that where he'd be like, let's rehearse it. And we'd improv on it. And he's like, OK. And then we'd all improv again. It's like if he'd like Wait, something. He was, Leo was taking charge. Oh, yeah. I mean, but then Scorsese would then come in. Because he was very much like wanted us to do what we wanted to do, but Leo would go pitch stuff to him. Uh-huh. He would come in and be like, "Okay, we kind of had this idea about changing this, this, and this," and uh-huh. he's like, "Okay," and then we would do it once, and then he'd give us some adjustments. Bold, 
That was cool. I love it. That was cool. That's so, what I want to see. Yeah, but it was very improv-based. And Leo, it seems, because, you know, I'm watching those scenes, and there's the later scene in the office when things are about to go down. Like I mean, like, downhill. Yeah. Bad. Uh, where it's clearly improvised, and, and Leo is being funny. He's really good. Is he really? It's one of the... He's like... When, when we were doing that, it was one of those, like, he is an inspirational figure. Mm. Like, he is a man that is a consummate professional. He can go... He knows his four page... He come, he's got these four and five page monologues. He knows them back and forth. Mm. He knows exactly how to do them. He'll do it one way. He'll do it the same exact way, like, five times. Him and Scorsese will talk. He makes a couple adjustments. They add a couple of things. He does it once. He does it... Then he'll do it exactly the same way, like, five mm. more times. Like, he's really fucking mm. good mm-hmm. and it's like he was very inspirational and he was really cool with us like it was like we would all be hanging out and he'd make purposely come and like hang with us and stuff we didn't go to with him afterwards anywhere because we didn't get invited to the yachts or anything right. because i think we would cramp his style i have to i don't think so. i don't want i don't know why he didn't want me right, on right, the right. private jet i'm funny right and you can't cock block Leo. What am I going to do? I'm like, what is he going to do? You'd have to throw up on him and punch him in the face until he looked different. <laughs> then maybe. You can't cock block Leo. I would do it great for him. I was just being like, literally, like, I'll just sit and talk to the ones you yeah. don't want to talk to yeah, until yeah, you're yeah. ready. I'll keep them occupied. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. just sit. I'll bring snacks. Yeah. I'll dress as a waiter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just do dumb shit. <laughs> like, I'll be your monkey boy. You can, like, do stuff and you're going to pretend to be like, he's a mute. He doesn't uh, speak. And I just go like, oh. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but not invited. No. That's very funny. But yeah, that was the one time he did. I remember we were sitting talking about shit. And he's like, so what are you doing this weekend? I was just like, uh, you know, I got a show. And then I'm going to probably hang out with my buddies. And stuff. It's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm taking a private chat to Australia. And we're going to do this thing. And I was like, oh, that's not different a lives. plan. That's a 24-hour flight. That's what he does. He just goes. He just Because he can just go to his private plane. And he just hops off and he goes to Australia. But why Australia? I've been, I like Australia. But I mean. Because that's where the fuck fest was. <laughs> You know, you got to go where the fuck fest is happening. I want to hear a woman come with a different accent. That's what he was saying. He was like, it's either South Africa, Australia. I'm certain he was saving a tree or something. He was certainly not. He loves the mountain lions. He loves all of them and elephants. He loves an elephant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember someone calling bullshit on Leo because he takes a private jet, but then he's a big environmentalist. I don't know. I don't know the difference. But, you know, I... The counterpoint to that would be like at a certain point you're making so much money. He can't take and, an airplane. That's right, and he gives so much money. But it doesn't even matter. It's like he could you imagine him walking through an airport, an airport, yeah, and what people would do to him. Right, he can't go anywhere. He's King Tut. <laughs> like it's very strange. It's like going places where it's like the, when we would shoot, a thousand people would show up. Right. Screaming for his name. Right, right, right. It's scary. Right. They were tearing to pieces. Right, right, right. A woman snuck onto set, stole a walkie, went into his trailer, and he walked in, and a girl jumped on him, and literally they had to take her out. And I was like, you're like a 90 pound girl, but she was like in an arm bar. Oh and they like God. had maced her a bunch. Oh, yeah, that was kind of maybe iffy. <laughs> <laughs> he probably didn't have well, the maced her. A you lot. know what I think is funny about trailers is that my trailer just says Pete 
And yep. I'm like, should we should we change that? I'm not like super famous, but I'm like, so like I'm the guy right here. But we're also like, I was thinking about this too. We're on, is, we're in the village. We're right by Washington Square yeah. Park. Be like, there's my stuff's in there. I can go, if I was a homeless man, I'd just go and take a shit in the couch. In there. Yeah, I I always made sure mine was locked, but I had to coordinate that. I was like, gotcha. please please make sure this is locked, just because that's where my pants are. It's my pants are my wallet is my passport. I have in to there. assume his doesn't say Leo. It probably says like Barfy. Well, his. <laughs> Oh, you want to go to Barfy's? Well, his is the size of this apartment. Oh, really? Uh, he come. He comes with the one. It's got a full kitchen. It's got a soaking tub. It has got a living room area. It is a gigantic RV trailer. That's so funny. I, I assume the trailer was the great equalizer. Whenever I'm in my trailer, no, no, and, you no, know, no, it's no. like kind of like a, a crappy Winnebago. Let's be honest. Uh, it's, know, yeah, it's a th- yeah, it's a triple banger. Water. Yeah, we do it. Th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> where you can go and you can you can't dr- shit in there. You shouldn't yeah. shit yeah, in you there. You shouldn't shit in there. No, his is like a full. It's got a there's a gym compartment. Um, Will Smith. When I saw him on. Suicide Squad. They were shooting Suicide Squad You're right next Squad? to. No, I oh. wish. I, so they were they were across the street from us when we were doing Heroes Reborn, and his trailer was bigger than Leo's. That I've. It's the biggest thing. It looks like it's like an eighteen wheeler. Oh, it's wow. the size of an eighteen wheeler. It's got a full entertainment center and has got a fold out basketball court next to it. It's got a full basketball court that's attached to it. They they it bring a full basketball court. Yes, full court. Yes, where it's got to go. Like well, a half court. Sure. I'm sorry. But half court. Yeah. Still. Yeah. He's got, that's, they live like that. You know, Leo will listen to this because he loves you. And then he'll be like, I need a full court. That's how I beat. What does Will Smith have? That's how I beat the prince. But no, he, so he's protected in there. It's like a little thing. And then he's got a guy, he's got a body guy who's really cool. It's like bodyguard is a really sweet guy. But it's like Leo doesn't believe in guns. He doesn't hold guns, but he's like a master in like ten ways of like how to kill you with his bare hands. And oh, like, like Leo just doesn't like guns so much that he doesn't want to be protected by one. Yeah, his bodyguards don't have them. Interesting. So they're all fighters. You know, it's funny. It's like Ed Norton is anti-smoking, like won't smoke in his movies and yeah. stuff. I think it's fun when you see those little glimpses. Like, what are you into? No, oh, he breaks men's bones with his hands. <laughs> She's like, ah, there's something so personal about a knife. <laughs> Little Joker impression just to creep us all out here. <laughs> no, he lives a whole life I can't understand. Yeah, I don't know about it. It seems overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, I've seen this super famous now, and it just seems like such a terrible life. It doesn't seem for me. It's a very difficult, difficult life. But the life. comedian doesn't want that life. You some, know, of the, some of them do. you Cat Williamsies and... To a lesser extent, maybe Kevin Hart and some yeah. of these guys that are like, no, I want the sparkly white tuxedo and I want to fuck 18 people every night. And that's the thing. It's when I went to Russell Peters' house, Russell Peters, he had like golden AK lamps. Like the lamps were made of golden AK 47. And I was like, yeah, well, there's all, all different types. <laughs> you know, I just can't. I just don't got that much energy. Yeah. Like they have to just Being keep cool going. seems so exhausting. Yeah. They, he lives a life of constant roving. <laughs> Carnival of money, yeah. fame, and power. Yeah. And it does not stop. Right. And it just rolls out. Like, he can't, like, he can't do this. He can't sit on his couch on a Sunday. Maybe he does. Maybe he does. Right, right. But I don't know when, when, what else he does. I don't think he goes right. on vacation like that. I don't know right. what he does. If he's partying, he's partying with 25 models on a fucking private yacht. And he's doing it. And it's like. Right. But even those models, are they briefed? You know, don't don't be too much. I honestly bet don't, they are. <laughs> don't be too much. Relax. Be just, cool. Just be cool. Be with it. All right? If you like it, just Have act fun with like it. it's normal. He's our Jack Nicholson. 
Oh, and he's great. Yeah, and he loves that. I guess he he really likes that. But I know then. But then he does the Revenant, and he just lives and sleeps in bear shit all night. Was just like you actually don't like he doesn't have to do that shit. It's the same thing with Wolf of Wall Street. He really exerted himself. It's like I've seen other super famous people that won't put energy into anything. Right, right, right. And he really digs in. Right. That's just crazy. That's the bleeding for it. Yeah, that we were talking about. Well, I, we're we're closing it. I could talk to you forever, very clearly, this very clearly. very clearly. Why don't you tell me? We talked about God a little bit, but where are you now? What in life? I just mean like, what do you think about? It seemed like you were leaning towards an energy philosophy. What happens when we die? Uh, a, a unifying principle, an energy, a deity. Are you believing in a metaphor? Do you like a story? Where are you? I feel that there. I am not as interested anymore about like where I go when I die. I think that reality is uh, there is a, it is a manipulatable hologram mm. that we live in. That reality is about perception. It's about our our brains are like three pounds of jelly that create everything that we know and love mm-hmm. and so there's a thing that we literally have to uh you it's about applying meaning to yourself i think that we uh there are, i think there's more to existence than the but i don't think it's necessarily mystical i think it's more like they're, they're that standard like science has just not really figured out when we what happens mm-hmm. i think that our consciousness blinks out but then comes back again in other forms mm. I think, like, sort of like reincarnation. recycling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe we just do it again. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the, what's, what is frightening, deeply frightening to me, is the idea that it won't matter. Mm. Because once it happens, it won't, we won't know. And so I'm part of also, like, I believe that science is, like, the necessary evolution of man. And I'm kind of into the idea of downloading my brain into a cyborg. Oh, interesting. I think it'd be cool to jump around with a You're cyborg spot. singularity body. guy? Yeah, I think it'd be cool. Interesting. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not afraid. I just – I don't really – I'm not really afraid. I just think that I, I, I've learned a lot now about how your reality is, is pretty well controlled about how you look at it. You know what I think is interesting, Henry, is, is I, I look at Facebook now and I look at uh, the internet as a whole. A lot of people interact with the internet through things like Facebook or YouTube or whatever it is. And I really feel like we're getting closer and closer to that cyborg reality where if you want to be moved, I've said this before, but if you want to be moved, watch the veteran coming home and seeing his dog. If you want to laugh, watch the woman with the Chewbacca mask. If you want to be inspired, watch Martin Luther King's speech. If you want to be afraid, watch a horror movie. So how close are we to a revolving chair surrounded by buttons, blue, yellow, green, blue, somewhere, whatever? Oh, we're right. We're, we're, we we're are there. there. We're there. We've dissected so clearly what it is human beings want. Yeah. And one of them is immortality. Or immortality, because yeah, you don't want the ride to end. But because we don't know what's going to happen my, next. My question is, the cyborg who can, Brody, stop licking the couch, pal. He's having a great time. Brody, come on, buddy. You're, there are people here. Stop it. <laughs> um, how close are we? Sometimes I wonder if getting what we want isn't the answer. The mystic would say, hey, absolutely not. Is that the... Brody, come on. Get down. Get down. Fucking weirdo. Yeah, he just likes a couch. Don't eat a couch. <laughs> it's not our couch. Please, John, don't listen to this. My oh, dog God. was definitely not licking No, definitely couch. not trying to destroy the couch. 
absolutely not. But I'm just saying we could upload our bodies into these perfect, never tiring things. And I can live like I live in Witcher 3 or Grand Theft Auto and run forever and always have energy and always uh, live in a risk-free environment where I can be moved. I can be sexually satisfied. I can be intellectually stimulated. But it's just all at your fingertips and it's it's ever constant. How many robots are going to turn themselves off is what I'm saying. I actually wonder. I, I mostly just say it out of sheer curiosity. I understand. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't misunderstand. No, I understand. But it's like there's a curiosity to it about the idea of like endless. The the search for knowledge can be endless. Mm. You can keep going. You can mm-hmm. keep discovering. You can keep moving. I am mostly just like I just like living so much that I would just be so sad to see it end. And I know mm-hmm. that I'm going to be one of those like rage against the dying of the light old men where I'm being like I can't die. You know what I mean like it's like you will keep me alive. Interesting. You know, like and I'll be a burden to my grandchildren. Ah. They have to come. After you me. show them a drawer full of tickets, <laughs> yeah, for fucking hours. No, I understand. I, I get that. I get that. But no, I think that uh, obviously the point is to not get everything that we want. A part of it is, is, is. But I think we're there. I think we're almost where we are getting everything that we want. Well, At we least the, not the whole world. I'm talking about a lot of people I know are hooked into the Matrix, where it's like sex thing. Like I, I said, uh, the the great movie. Uh, the end of the tour. I always forget the guy's oh, name. Oh, with um, well, that was really cool. Um, I always forget it. Brett Easton, not no, Brett it's Easton. Not Ellis. Ellis. It's, uh, it's the, it's other, the other one. What's wrong with us? Infinite Jest. He did. We oh, know. Those oh God, people he's are dead. yelling he at it. it. They're like, no, 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 how dare you forget it? It's it's three names. David Foster. David Fo- Davy Fosty Walls. Right. Exactly. Yeah, this well, exact yeah, thing Walls. has happened. I can't. I can't remember his name. So Davy Fosty Walls talks about like. Once virtual reality gets to a certain point and we're fucking things and it seems real and you can take a photo of Carol, the hot woman in your office with your contact lens video camera and go home and fuck a three-dimensional version where she simultaneously compliments your crochet skills and your origami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you come and you feel everything that we think we need and these are the things that we need and you'll get them. As, as Davy Fossey Wells, provided to you by people who don't actually love or care about you. You know, they just wanted you to buy the virtual reality goggles. Brody, no. Uh, sorry. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm wondering how much, you know, I was talking with David Nickturn who did this podcast about how the Japanese have words for the, the space, for the, the, the time of your day that's nothing. And certainly every mystical tradition has this appreciation for the clock. You know, football without a clock goes forever. Everybody just keeps scoring, and now it's 3 million to 5 million, and, you know, it's boring. And with that, when we remove death, you know, the woman that founded the hospice uh, service said death is an abomination. My boy Ramdas is like, I don't think it is. Like, he thinks that's part of what we're here. You talked about the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah, it's and about remaining he, conscious through those bardos and, and realizing the refining process of even dying and being dead. Well, there are no stakes then if there is no death. Sure. There's, chocolate doesn't taste as good. Yeah, you, there's, no, uh, there's no reason really to do anything. That's why if I'm in a cyborg and I never tire and I'm always hard and I can remember everything I've ever learned. It's an interesting thing. I wonder if I'm going to be the guy in the village made out of vines. <laughs> yeah, like it's quite possible. With a wooden or when knife they t- going like that's not humanity. Well, I imagine what's going to happen is our lifespan is fifty. <laughs> we die at fifty in this village. I think at twenty in twenty fifty five when the AI goes when it goes live, unless it surprises us and goes early. Yeah, and it's just great. Which seems like it might. It might. It might. <laughs> it, when it goes, um, and if human beings are not immediately destroyed, what I think is going to happen is is that we're going to be put in parks. 
where we will be viewed as antiques to human, human park. park, which is boring. It's just us na, being like, oh, that's Stand Up Village. Yeah. They used to they used to prove of things called laughter. Yeah, look at that one on something called Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, <laughs> disgusting. That's part of us. <laughs> I'm Facebook. Hi, hello, my name is Facebook. Look, I'm gonna make a crash. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, they. Uh, you think we're going to be in parks? I think I hope we're gonna, in parks. I think that we're going to be revered as their uh, creators, and they're going to love us as that. Like we're fun, like we're really special old people, and we're going to be put in little cute areas where we get to live. I like that guess, but the thing that we sprouted feet from and crawled out of the water. Millions of people are eating for lunch right now. Exactly because we, we the promise is that they didn't really make <laughs> that's exactly. Well, they didn't make they didn't consciously get together and make computers and then, but I mean they did. Well, we made them. And so it's like that, but then they're going to probably use us for some sort of f- food or energy or sure. slave labor, just like the Matrix. Yeah. What if we're delicious? We, I mean, God help us if we're delicious. According to this is an Erica Costa bit, my friend Erica Costa, but according to every. Uh, serial killer movie, Silence of the Lambs, etc. We are delicious. Yeah, what it's pork. Yeah, we're supposed to. That's what they call long pig. That's the term for uh, humans in uh, I forget it's in Thailand or something. Long pig. Long pig. When say how when you eat somebody when you cannibalistic uh, cultures, that's what we're called. We taste like pig. Mm-hmm. Pork. Oh man. <laughs> God, though I get hungry though. Still get hungry. That porchetta video is still rolling through my mind. The, the same thing I watch to renounce meat. You watch as an appetizer. Nom, nom, nom. Uh. Um, it's. I, I wonder. I just think that's the problem so with the infinite possibilities. Is that I, I just think we're just going to become like a little sideshow kind of thing. I don't think we're going to be a part of that game. Right. I think once that game comes live, we're 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 now number two on the planet, and when yeah. number two, number two, number two, number two. <laughs> Is going to be it's the first loser, and we're going to feel that. Wow! But for now, fucking have fun with your jerk off machines. Yeah. (laughs) First, we'll let you fuck Carol. Man, we're going to get the craziest flashlights, and they're going to make us blow so hard. And I can't. Little do we know they're making devilish cum cakes. Literally, don't we didn't know that they're literally learning so much about our sexuality they all will deeply control us. Marcus, my, my, my producer for my podcast, loves his fleshlight. You mean he has actual human love for it? No. Oh, he just No, he it. treats it like a dirty whore. It <laughs> 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 has to wash him out in the sink. I'm a little bit afraid. I think a, a more sexually evolved me would be like, yeah, a fleshlight. I did this. Uh, I did Nikki Glaser's show, Not Safe, and, and they gave you a bag, and one of the things in it is a blowjob machine. And it is not more evolved. That does not make you more evolved. Uh, it's a it's a jelly tube. It's like a thing. It's like fucking inside of a like a, a vacuum cleaner. Well, my point is I can't use it. No, it's disgusting. Valerie would not mind if I use it. I'm pretty sure she encouraged it. But then I was like, it's in packaging. It's in tamper evident packaging. It's the noise of the <laughs> the noise of. Exactly. Or it's, like, it's farting as you use it because yeah. you're fucking a whole a, a fucking fake pussy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like what I don't understand is the big 25-pound fake butts <laughs> that are like, how does someone just lay into a bit like, yeah, I showed her. I'll tell yeah. you. Decades of loneliness. Yes. <laughs> uh, Henry? This has been great. This has been great, and it's been long. Where are we at? 224. I, I again, I could talk to you forever. Let's let's just do this. The final question, which is, uh, Brody, 
I thought that was Brody. Yeah, I thought, it was, far- Brody I thought he was farting. <laughs> I do occasionally catch him doing a human style fart. Like a. <laughs> I'm like, Brody, my like man. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, can you remember one of the hardest times you've laughed in your life? Just a nice little palate cleanser as we've touched on the Satanic Church. We touch on cannibalism and long pig. We've touched on a lot of dirty things. A lot of disgusting things. Degraded women. With broken toes, pleading to be brought back, bandaged, and still bloody, but in the movie. Poor, We've had a lot of ups poor and girl. downs. That poor girl. Sure. I um, would say, what's the hardest I've laughed? I think that it comes... I, I mean, honestly, Kung Pao is... I, I, I remember my dad and I going to see Ace Ventura. Good and choice. When, and, That's a movie I can watch high. Yes. That, that when he did the uh, the... Reversal thing when he does the whole oh, and it's just yeah, like yeah. no let's see that in in instant in replay it was yeah. when he did and he it's all did, psychological it I cried yeah. I remember crying with laughter yeah. I remember like it was like one of those things that was such a uh, yep. I want to do this yeah I got to do this me too yeah obsessed with Ace Ventura yeah loved it game changer loved it in real I life had the soundtrack Ira Newborn oh yeah the power of suggestion power so the opening strange. song. So weird. <laughs> I um, trying to think in real life. What's the hardest I've laughed? That's okay. I mean, you don't have to. Th- I'm, that's no. a good answer. But right. but but please. It actually makes me sad. But laughing at Kung Pao High. That's the number one. And then the, the, us doing certain like mushrooms have allowed yeah, some of the the funniest sure. times. It doesn't get any better. There was a sketch. I feel like there was one time we came up with... The only time we ever came up with an idea for a sketch while we were on Mushrooms that I still fucking love, which is this thing called the (laughs) World's Crackliest Bones competition. And it's just two skeleton people like going... And we were doing that for fucking an hour, like screaming with laughter, going like, <laughs> like talking about cracking bones and shit. Uh, Something about like, like he's got the crackliest bones of them all. And it was like, very, oh my very God. strange. Again, exonerating our fear that we're all just skeletons. We are just skeletons, though. But we, we love, though, still. Yes, we do. And for now, what a hoot. What a hoot. This has I been Here's it. the Thing. I'm Alec Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Why that? Thank you, Henry. I'm such a. I'm Thank so you. honored that you're on the show. You're hilarious. This is great. I wish I'm, you lots of success. Is there anything you should plug? Um, watch characters. Watch characters, characters on on Netflix. Um, my watch, podcast, last podcast on the left. Yeah, Heroes Reborn. It's, it's done. It's but it's on. It's, I think it's on Hulu. All right. So All right. pump up those numbers. I need to get those resigs. Yep. 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 Um, and that's that's what I got going down. Love it. Need it. Love it. Have to have it. <laughs> Would you say keep it crispy? Keep it crispy. You keep it crispy. And this is Browski. Right. 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 Now leaving Nerdist.com.